Hello and welcome to the 250, your weekly podcast looking at IMDb's top 250 movies of all time. I'm Darren. I'm Jack. Hello. And I'm Andrew. And this week we're discussing what I suspect may be a highly polarizing movie, which is Sean Penn's 2007 Into the Wild, starring Emile Hirsch um, as, yeah, as, as Chris Candless, as Chris McCandless. The Or. Or. Or Ale- Alexander Supertramp. Yes. If, if you will. Okay. As either of those two people who famously ventured off into the Alaskan wilderness in the early 90s uh, and was discovered living in, uh, well, was discovered uh, having passed away Whoa. inside Magic Bus. Spoilers! Okay. Okay, he ventured off into the Alaskan wilderness and we'll, we'll leave it there for the moment. Um, but basically, so when we invited you on, Jack, we asked you to pick yeah. some films that sort of jumped out at you that you want to cover. Something on like the, the IMDb 250 list, one yeah. of the movies that sort of grabbed you. Yeah. And, and you came back with a couple and, and one of them was, was Into the Wild and just yeah. sort of... What is it that draws you to Into the Wild? What is it that sort of grabs you? What is it that makes it a movie that you're you kind of you really want to talk about when you have two hundred fifty sure. to choose from? What is it, Jack? What is it? Sure. Well, I mean, obviously, answer the question. Don't wait for the translation. <laughs> <laughs> obviously, you said it was uh, polarizing. I feel like I should firstly uh, apologize for her having to put you through that experience. I'd never seen the film before, um, but it was a film that I actually had given to me on DVD ten years ago, and I watched. I saw the first half an hour or so, and uh, I got bored and turned it off. And it's one of those things that um, I've been told so much about, and it's so revered, so so many good reviews and everything else. And I recently had heard people talking about it, and I thought, yeah, I'll give it a go. And then when I was looking for the list, I saw it there and thought, okay, go on, and then we'll commit, and we'll, we'll just give it a go and see what it's like. And uh, I'm interested to see what you two made of it. I love that. I love that we invited you on the podcast. You're like, I haven't actually seen this movie before. <laughs> well, that's happened before. It has. It, it happened with Chris, uh, I think. With Chris, and, yeah, yeah, and The Seven Samurai. It's so like, it's this like, is a good excuse. So what makes this movie mean so much to you? It's yeah. like, well, I've, I've never seen it. Uh, <laughs> I really just wanted an excuse to watch it. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. This is the, the opportunity that the 250 give, can give to you. Um, <laughs> viewer or listener. Uh, but yeah, so okay, well... Let's let's talk a little bit about Into the Wild because Into the Wild is it's a big movie. It's a very important mm. movie. When IMDb announced their most popular movies of each of the past twenty five years in two thousand fifteen, so they went through year by year and sort of announced which movie was the most popular movie with their members. Mm-hmm. So you know there were a lot of obvious choices there, like The Dark Knight in two thousand eight, for example, or The Wolf of Wall Street in say two thousand and thirteen. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there was this was the most popular movie of two thousand and seven. Right. Which is somewhat striking to me, given that that's the same year that gave us, in American release terms, There Will Be Blood yeah. and No Country for Old Men. Yeah. Like, this is a movie that clearly sort of resonated with people. It, it uh, topped many critics' top ten lists at the yeah. end of the year. Roger Ebert gave it a, a you know unqualified rave. But on the other hand, it's also a film that, as, as we sort of suggested, has polarized views, in that there tends to be a love-it-or-hate-it approach to the yeah. film. There tends to be a very yeah. strong reaction from people who watch this. Sure. So, you guys... I, I hadn't seen it before, either. I had, really? If we're being entirely honest, I had <laughs> looked at the film and determined that it contained so many things that I had a strong emotional what reaction against. Um, and, and, like, let, let's run through the top three things in Into the Wild that Darren had a very strong emotional reaction against. Yeah, yeah. First of all, Sean Penn, um, who <laughs> wrote and directed this. 
Penn is, you know, he's actually a really good director. I quite like his other two directorial efforts, so The Crossing Guard and The Pledge, which both feature fantastic performances from Jack Nicholson. Right. The issue here is that from the premise that it's based on, I kind of suspected this would be a Sean Penn has very strong views on how people should live their lives movie. (laughs) And so that kind of put me off a little bit for, Mm -hmm. for a while. Um, Sean Penn being not necessarily the most pleasant person and not somebody who, to whom I would look for, for life <laughs> advice. Yeah. Um, was this, this was 2007 as well. It was before you, your, um, was this b- before you, you, b- it was before, uh, oh no, wait, it was the same year as, uh, uh, X-Men Origins Wolverine. Yeah, so I mean, which, which, which which was, did you say that that was the first movie? No, it wasn't. It was 2009, actually. So it was two years, Ah. two years before. So this was before I started the blog. Yes, this was two years before I started the the blog. The M-Zero Vibe blog. (laughs) Yes, that is exactly how we pronounce this. Um, But yeah, it was, it was before that. So it was before I started seeing every movie that came out. And I had no urge to go back and fill it out. The other thing that I don't like that it features is Emile Hirsch. (laughs) <laughs> who seems to me to be the lesser clone of Jesse Eisenberg and Michael Sarah? If we're going for like the uh, young, he was a, 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 a lesser American Daniel Brühl. No, no. <laughs> Why would you make that comparison? Poor Daniel. I did Brühl. say lesser. Yeah, but that implies that there's like a unit of measurement on which they're you know they're I comparable. Feel like it's like where Daniel, Daniel Brühl is. Is ten, which is good, <laughs> and um, and uh, Michael Sarah, John Dano, oh, and Paul um, Dano. Pa- sorry, Paul Dano, um, and also John Dano. He does some good <laughs> stuff, um, mostly kind of independent student movies, yeah. that sort of thing. But um, and and Mark Zuckerberg <laughs> as well. Um, sorry, Jesse yeah. Eisenberg. Yes, yeah. And 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 Hirsch sort of is another one of those actors who who rubs me the wrong way because he's got that reputation. He famously uh, caught a Paramount executive in a chokehold so tight that she could felt like the front and back of her neck were touching so at the Sundance want- Film Festival. Um, so this this does he want to direct? <laughs> one gets the sense that he might be moving in that direction. Right. And and the oh. and the third thing that the movie has, which which I'm not particularly fond of. Is, is Chris McCandless, which is the entire movie. So we'll probably talk about that a bit later on. But I, I had never seen this before, so this is my first time watching it. But Andrew, you, you, had, really, you really like beatneck hippie kind of um, culture. Yeah, um, brah. Yeah. <laughs> brah. <laughs> to be honest, the moment that the hippies used the word brah oh, was, was yes. when I was most well, in it. It's like, uh, are we getting like, are we... Spoilers, there's hippies in this movie. <laughs> you just described it as a hippie off the beaten track movie. But yeah, um, <laughs> Do as I say, not as, not I, as I do. <laughs> but I mean, so I, I had never actually watched this before, and I never really felt the urge to go back and to fill this gap in my filmography. Had you seen it before, Andrew? I had. I saw it in 2007 in the cinema in uh, New Hampshire, in, in uh, like in the United States, oh, wow. as it was intended. Wow. <laughs> um, yeah, Sean Penn clearly aiming the film at those East Coast sort of... Uh... Yeah, yeah. I saw. I, I, this was one of the movies that I saw in... Um, I don't know. I don't know where the big uh, city was that we used to go to. Maybe it was just Guildford, New Hampshire, um, Cineplex. But I feel like it was somewhere else. I feel like it was. It was maybe Concord or somewhere where where we. I think we also watched the um, Leo DiCaprio, the Nature, uh, the Revenant. uh, No, no, no. The documentary that that he narrates. (laughs) 
Yeah. That's a very roundabout way of getting to that. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, he didn't he yes, narrate he, say yeah. I I may have also watched that as well at the same time because I'm so sensitive to um you know that sort of movement and culture and stuff. Yeah, and I think I think there was another Emil Hirsch movie. It's, it's like the Ticking Clock or something like that. I it's just like think it's funny of... that 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 film that DiCaprio is in, <laughs> the one where there's a boat and then the, and he's in the wildness and there's a bear. Yeah, really narrowing it down. Um, but yeah, so what what did you make of it when you saw it? Like back all those I, years ago, more I, than a decade now. I I had some version of I think Jack's and and perhaps your uh, presumed uh, reaction to it when I saw it first. And actually, this is the second time I saw it, and I had a different reaction. Oh, interesting! Was it yeah. worse or better? Better. So when I when I saw this movie um, first, I came away from it with. A Moonian a, a um, kind of a uh, Moonian <laughs> uh, a, a view of of Christopher Christopher McCandless, Christopher McCandless, where I was like, oh, um, what, a, what, a, what, a, what, a, what, a, what a kind of. Uh, By the way, Darren I, hasn't quite given his he opinion hasn't yet, really, but I feel yeah. like Andrew may be quite on the money here. Yeah, I, I felt like th- this was mostly a cautionary tale. Of, of <laughs> like, why not to be a bozo? <laughs> when when I when I when I when I saw the movie the first time, and yeah, my 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 view has has mellowed somewhat, and um, which is a funny thing because because like I've always kind of um, found the kind of uh, appeal of I suppose it kind of sets up the movie a bit to say that this is I think we've said it already that this is sort of returning to nature tale mm. and that that's something that's always kind of appealed to me from for for a very long time not only that but the whole idea of of um uh, being a a wandering um uh, traveler a vagabond Kane from kung fu comes to mind watching the movie yeah 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 quick uh, trivia on uh, <laughs> kung fu pilot had him killing a whole lot of people and they were they were like we can't show this on television it's like okay from from now on he he's a man of peace <laughs> but he still does kung fu yeah he will only do kung fu when 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 he absolutely has to and he's never going to kill anyone so, you know, yeah. it was originally meant to be Bruce Lee. Bruce Lee was the one who shopped around the idea, and it was basically, um, yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't developed with him because he was deemed to be too, yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Hollywood, Hollywood, not the most progressive. He's a little like, too, yeah. Just and the studio exec kind of like kind of yeah. wiped their hand kind of around their face, sort of like um, <laughs> like they're trying to think of a word. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Short. That's what we're going for. Yes, short. Because <laughs> actors uh, aren't short. Yeah. Tom um, Cruise is, is like exact. He's built like William Hurt, who is in this movie, oh. and it's very tall. Yes, very tall. He's like a William McKinley. He could he could play William McKinley. Anyway, sorry. Back to the movie. Yeah, my my view of it kind of matured a little bit. I I softened on it, and um, not to the exclusion of that view that I first had. So um, it's rounded out a bit more. What what kind of what um, what sharply jutted out was was the kind of distaste for for the main character on my on my first viewing and actually on my on my second and um, 
and ultimate viewing. <laughs> the, ultimate. <laughs> yeah, the, I, <laughs> to this point. Um, uh, I felt like I really appreciated a lot of the kind of message of, mm. of the movie. And yeah, I, 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 uh, so I guess it goes to Darren to say, would this be on his 250? Well, no, I was going to ask um, Jack how Jack responded to it, because this is a um, big deal for you. I mean, yeah, you, massive deal, like, yeah. this is a, a bigger moment than I thought it was. How was your first viewing? Can you remember your first viewing? <laughs> did it make an impact on you profoundly? Who, who, yeah, I who just, did you watch it with? <laughs> I think I watched it on my own, but I mean, I, I found that the whole film to be a load of rubbish. Um, not never mind, mind the message or thing. What I mean is like, it was... It was very poorly made. I found that all the characters were so were so sort of freedom. Like they weren't three dimensional whatsoever. They were all sort of cartoonish and sort of massive stereotypes. So you had the dad who's like really stoic and he's this army general sort of type. Even I know he wasn't. He was obviously a, a NASA scientist apparently, but he had that sort of son. I'm I'm your father, and that's all I am. And then it's like there's that scene that sort of exemplifies my point perfectly where. It's a flashback to his dad, sort of, and his mother having an argument, and the mother's like really melodramatic, and he's like, "Well, there's no Christmas, and I am God." And then he actually shields his sister, and it's just like this is absolutely ridiculous. And also, you've got the hippies as well, and they're just all bra, you know. You gotta just. And he's, like, it's bra, like, is bra a thing that hippies say? By the way, this is turning out entirely different than I thought the dynamic of this three-person panel will go. Yeah. Thank you, Jack. That's oh, <laughs> okay, it's okay. Um, but yeah, um, no, do, do hippies say bra? They're very... Apparently so. Oh. Apparently so. I, mean, I thought that was a bit... It was like a documentary, wasn't it, watching some of these well, hippies it, it, interact? Well, I mean, to, to be fair, there's a lot of stuff in here that is actually taken from um, the articles and from the study. And a lot of stuff is based on real events and there's a right. lot of detail in here so for example <laughs> that bit where like and not to get too spoiler too specific the bit where the father played by William Hurt declares I am God right. and this is my household is actually apparently based on something that the father would say um, really? in these arguments he would have these heated statements he would declare that he was God oh, right. um, so I mean you know that that's and even the opening scene for example which isn't not to get too spoilery involves one of the parents having like what they feel is a spiritual communion yeah. with the, with their child and again, that's well, something that feels hokey and sort of Hollywood-esque, but it's something that was documented uh, in initial interviews with the family. It was something that they, they experienced. And, and Darren, was, was that very close to the bone for you? The, this, this, uh, did it remind you a bit of me, Will, William Hurt's character? Because it's something I like to say a lot. <laughs> I mean, people just drop it into casual conversation when they're angry. I mean, <laughs> yeah. Who hasn't declared themselves yeah. God you're, in the heat like, argument? Andrew, you've already had pizza. You're not God. <laughs> I am God. <laughs> I am the law. <laughs> um, uh, um, good call going for the Stallone dread. I, yeah. that. I feel that's like a, an underappreciated approach. If I'm Stallone, who gets me urban? Who, yeah, who, who, who's... Um, who, who's, who's your Rob Yeah, the rest of the podcast will determine <laughs> um, Which is interesting, because I actually feel like this is kind of strange, because I... I Almost feel like I liked it more than Jack did, yeah, which is did, yeah. very strange. I think given it's easy to do that. That I was, I was in the position of like when I was sitting down here because there's a bit of a Texas Hold'em thing going on <laughs> where we don't discuss how we <laughs> yes. feel about the film before we sit down. So all I knew was that I know Andrew has talked in the past about his desire to spiritually commune with nature. Yeah, I mean, we've talked about it on the on the podcast before, for example, on the My Neighbor Totoro episode, which gave us the immortal image of Andrew vaping through a forest, wondering when magic was happening. Um, <laughs> but we also. Like, but because you, Jack had sort of picked the, the yeah, movie, yeah. I sort of imagined that this was something you felt very strongly and passionately about. Oh, I see. 
And so, yeah, sitting down, I was like, oh, I'm going to be Captain Killjoy here. <laughs> yeah. And, it's and like, Darren was like, wow, I can't wait to meet this hippie. This <laughs> <laughs> That's it. So I was like, hey, thank you, Jack, for moving me strongly to the center. Uh, so Darren okay. didn't want to be ganged up on. Yeah. That's okay. I mean, it's not so much the message I had issue with. I think it's just really poorly executed. I think it's just the really poorly done. Like, for example, there's about an hour of the film... There's just shots of landscape with country music. Don't get me wrong, I love shots of landscape and country music. From Eddie Vedder as well, I believe. Uh, yes, yes. But um, I just sort of thought... this is it's not your jam. Before we sat down oh, and watched not, it... Not, not, your, not your tempo. No, no, look, love country music, love all that. It's the fact that it's like, before we sat down, you said to yourself, oh, it's a long one. And I thought, yeah, it is long. And then we sat down and we're about an hour in or so and thinking... We've not even actually any story yet. We've had a, lots of footage of mountains and wolves and stuff, and there was a shot of a caterpillar on a, a tree branch at one point. I'm listening to lots of albums. Don't forget the the flashbacks that are processed to evoke Kodachrome. Don't also reveal all of the movie. Sorry, <laughs> but I mean, it was. I felt there we were caterpillars in this movie. We, Spoilers. We, we, were, we were sort of sat through an album though a lot of time, but like I don't know. I mean, I've, I'll go through some of the notes I made. I suppose like I um I wrote Twilight. For uh... <laughs> well, we're, 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 okay. get with the program. First of all, this is a family show. Sorry. Se- sec- secondly, um, would this be on the two fifty? Yeah. Um, should this be on the two fifty? Yeah. Would you rather? I feel like we've already answered these questions, but I feel like let's just sorry, go through it for sorry. the formalizing. Will the we just jump into the? the... No, no, no. Let's. let's ask this question get the conversation going so Jack right first of all would this be on your own personal 250 do you think it belongs on like the IMDB 250 and would you recommend that people watch it this is a purely pro forma process of this sure, sure, sure. Um, I think they must have put it on their list because they were running out of films I can't think why they it is included I well I suspect because it speaks to a certain That's, like certain guess, romantic yeah. ideal like I think that it, it's yeah. a you can see the audience kind of built in for this sort of film. Is it like a safe sort of bohemia? Yeah, and it's it's also like I think like we've talked about this on the on the podcast before. I can see, I can see theoretically the appeal of the film's message, and I can see that resonating with people. I can see that like something that people long to like communicate with and engage with and want to believe in, for lack of a better word. Like there's a reason that it's the... something like like erotic thrillers that you can understand in theory. <laughs> But, uh, when it comes to actually watching them, it's like, why do people like this? I get why people like the idea of this. I, I just don't understand why they like this thing that resulted from that idea. But no, there is an element of that to this. Like, this, McCandless was like a product of the, you know, he, he died in 1992. His body was found in 1992. And he became like this sort of thing that spoke to the decade of the 90s, which mm-hmm. was this whole question of like, why are we here? What is the purpose of this? Can we, like, disconnect from society? Should it be society? on the 250? <laughs> Should it be on your 250? And would you recommend that people watch the movie? <laughs> okay. I'm Sorry. going to take... Uh, I'm going to get my shoe. I'm <laughs> it on the table. This is going uh, off the rail. Okay, so Andrew, then. <laughs> yes. Would this be on your 250? Do you think it belongs on the 250? And would you recommend that people watch this? Yes, yes, and yes. And, it's, it, okay. and it's also very hokey. And I, I, and there's a lot of bits that like were r- ridiculous that made me laugh. 
and and like where where it, it it's it, it's kind of like ah for feck's sake and and it does remind me of when I was a teenager, people asking me um, or suggesting um, that I uh, read like on on the road. And, uh, yeah, yeah, but um, and me reading it and thinking, oh, this isn't very good. I, <laughs> I, I guess I'm not a very deep, profound person like these other people who told me to read this book. Yeah. Um, and there is a little bit of that, but I, I think there, there is, there is a lot in this movie. I guess that 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 spoke to me, unsurprisingly, perhaps. Well, no, and I, and I mean, I think a fair part of the discussion is what Jack was getting at, which is, why is this on the 250? And I think it's quite clear, because it does speak to... Yeah, I'd agree with that. ...that mindset. It's the... Well, I forget, I forget the expression, but it's it's, it's appealing to the, the easiest common denominator. The, the lowest common denominator? Precisely. Sorry, I beg your pardon. Yeah, but that's exactly what I'm saying. And I think the fact the things I didn't like about it, I think, are pointing to what people do like about it. Just to go off slightly off a tangent, I recently watched uh, 2001 Space Odyssey for the first time. And as you'll know, it says if you've seen it, have you seen it? As far as yes, we yeah, we've there's covered no, it. There's no dialogue. I, I haven't fully seen it. <laughs> oh, yeah? As people who listen to the yeah, Andrew may have nodded off at certain points. Oh, really? During yeah. The film. yeah. But uh, you'll know yourself anyway that it's uh, it's quite an experimental film in the fact there's no dialogue for the first twenty minutes, and then the last fifteen minutes of the film is literally just this psychedelic, yeah. crazy scene. Pour it into your brain. Exactly, and things like that kind of I I dig that because it's very out there and different whereas this is very sort of like if you've seen sort of several films that are made in this fashion you've kind of seen them all and that's kind of the vibe I was getting from this film it was sort of a cliche you could almost sort of write it even with the old the man character at the end I don't want to give too much work because I suppose but where he's there like he's tearing up and he's saying can I adopt you will you be my grandson I'm just kind of like okay. don't answer that question Jack audience members are going to be kept in I will. Suspense. I won't answer that but my point is that all these characters the dialogue and it's something that we both sorry the, the three of us laughed at individually different points yes. we, we, laughed we, at one we, point. we won't say what it is yet but. But, it, but this is what I mean by the poor writing there was one point where he says a career is a 20th century invention and you thought that was good spoiler zone <laughs> That's one line from the film, and that's... No, uh, we're in the spoiler zone now. Yeah, I'm backing out the spoiler yeah, zone. Yeah, we've now... This is the first now, time I've seen Andrew really get into it with a guest. We've now... <laughs> <laughs> no, I... I, I <laughs> Sorry, Jack, I no, apologise. I, 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 mean, <laughs> I mean it affectionately. It is... It's, um, he means it like William Hurt means abuse. Yeah, oh, yeah, Jesus. yeah. <laughs> Angry. <laughs> But Angry yeah. man. <laughs> but yeah. Okay. Um, okay. So welcome to this point. <laughs> so Jack. Yes. What is Into the Wild about for you? Um, natural selection. <laughs> okay. That's a very good answer. <laughs> I had a li- okay. Perhaps a little callous, but a very good answer. I think. Very good answer. Do you, do you know the uh, the terminology Gary Stew or Gary Sue or Mary Sue? Yes, I'm familiar with that. Character. So uh, yes. when we were watching, I thought we're dealing with the Gary Sue here. And I guess I'll give a brief definition for anyone who doesn't know. Gary Sue is, is a character who, they're just perfect. And they just they have no faults of their own. They do, everything's brilliant. So, like, this character, he seemed like he was fully grounded. I understand the outcome of the film and everything else. But he seemed like everything he did, he was able to learn and master within a few minutes. Um, so that, immediately, it's like, a, it's kind of a reoccurring theme for me in relation to this. It's, it's all sort of things, it's, there's not really much depth to it. It's very superficial. It's all very much like... I, it can sort of tell it was written by someone like Sean Penn in a way because it's probably one of the first things he's written and because he's famous already they're going yeah that's great brilliant that is absolutely brilliant Sean 
brilliant. He goes. I, I, will, I will put my hand up and say, in defense of Sean Penn, I like the crossing guard and the pledge. Yeah, but I, I, when you say this feels like something that was written by Sean what Penn, was, what was Mystic River? Who... Mystic River was Clint Eastwood. Oh yeah, he starred okay. in it. Yeah, um, he was right. very good in it. Uh, but yeah, no. When you say this feels like something that was written by Sean Penn, this feels like it was written by Sean Penn, the stereotypical Hollywood liberal. Yeah, it's like. <laughs> I know. From Team America World Police. That's it, exactly. It feels like it was written by the Team America World Police version of Sean Penn. Yeah, yeah. I've been to Iraq. <laughs> <laughs> the children there play in the streets. <laughs> it's like a place of lollipops. Yeah. Anyway, sorry, Jack, we got you off topic. No, there. no, it's right. I just found that, um, like I say, it was so, you sort of, I found where you could sort of make it up. If you watch the first couple of scenes, you could probably plan it out how it was going to go. Um and also, just some of the characters are so cartoonish. Like, you know, he meets. I know there's a spoiler zone, but he, no, he yes, meets we, we're in the spoiler zone. <laughs> he now. We can say, like, oh, okay, don't okay. stop now. I'm gonna. I'm gonna <laughs> that would be hilarious if, if, like, after all the, if Andrew had put such a fear of spoilers into Jack that he couldn't actually articulate. Every them. time I say spoilers, he like recoils, <laughs> <laughs> like a Pavlovian reaction. Have you learned? Please don't nothing. hit me. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm um I'm gonna set up my own camp in, in a bus in Spoiler Zone then because the, like the, the cartoonish Danish people and they're just crazy and they're all like ha I love her da 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 let's go swimming hey. and we're sexually liberated exactly it's just a like, machine shunish ditch that's <laughs> Sorry. it. But, I beg your pardon. <laughs> looking why uncomfortable. Did, why why is he Sean Connery? <laughs> is, uh, no, it's Dutch. <laughs> well, I know he's Danish, but. Um, <laughs> Um, I mean, I'll, I'll go back to a toilet. I'll say why I said it as that. That was purely just to make myself laugh because during the film there was a, quite a stagnant point and I, I wrote it down to make myself I also want to note that I actually spelt it T-W-I-G-H-L-I-T-E. So that's not how that's spelt. Just just if anyone listening. Obviously, I just wrote that in a, in a quick daze. But um, you obviously found it funny when he said, uh, you know, 20th century career. But then you and I were enjoying the fact that every time there was a shot of... The lady playing um, love interest for a moment. She Kristen looked, Stewart. She looked completely stoned out of her head. Or I <laughs> but, don't know what that expression but was. But it, it's not. It's not that. It's it's more like the the moments with because obviously the the movie structure in such a way is a road movie. So the character in question, Christopher McCandless, travels across America and he makes all these wonderful small connections with people, and they end up having like profound and upbeat effects on the lives of these individuals. Right. But one of the things, one of the people he encounters is played by Kristen Stewart just before she signed on to Twilight. Yeah, and but. but like, Not before she realised the perfect amount of time to uh, amount of frequency with which to bite her lip, yeah. which is all the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but there's, there's like I have never seen the camera portray horniness as effectively as it does when trying to put Kristen Stewart in frame with Emile Hirsch. Yeah, it's yeah, like yeah. Sean Penn is like, look at how sexy this man is right here yeah, yeah. by focusing on this reaction shot of this barely yeah. legal teenage girl who's like, she wants to mount him like a fence post. Yeah, That's yeah. a line of dialogue, by the way. She would mount a fence post. Yeah. We've, we've, this this we've, is a Sean Penn script, people. We've, we've, we've all had that heroic experience where we turn down a 16-year-old. <laughs> Um, <laughs> because we are basically Jesus. yeah. That's how good Sean Penn is. That his his movies have characters that don't statutory rape one another. Yeah. Well, um, again, well like, and we've seen a lot of movies under two fifty where where there is that where the characters the def- seven- definitely do want to, well, and Sean, somewhere they do. Sean Penn is is sort of a product of the seventies. You could argue one of those last sort of great Hollywood sort of seventies icons. And again, as we myself and Andrew have noticed, watching seventies Hollywood films. 
there's a lot of statutory rape in there. For example, obviously Jack Nicholson, yeah. who's a huge influence on Sean Penn. Like obviously this, having worked with him on the Crossing Guard the Pledge. But in This um, reminded me it? a lot of, of uh, Milas Foreman Christmas. movies. Yeah. yeah. And it had that sort of seventies kind of easy rider, Jack Nicholson, uh Milas Foreman kind of Well I think uh, that's what vibe. Sean Penn was going for. I think that's, I think so, that's yeah. what, Sean, what Penn was consciously aiming for. So in that case, having his male lead heroically turned down advances from like a sixteen year old girl revisionism. Yeah. <laughs> um, but and it's it, the closest thing to self awareness I think the movie has. Even yeah, to yeah. the extent of like the gaudy green kind of title cards. With the font, you, yeah, yeah, the font yeah, that warps yeah. into an, a somehow like less handwritten <laughs> but even gnarlier yeah, title yeah. font. Yeah, it's yeah, really yeah. weird. It's like it's like Quentin Tarantino font, but he could only use MS Paint. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But <laughs> it, ra- rather than a, a, a an homage to Sergio Leone, it felt like more an homage to those kind of like alternative seventies movies, like uh, yeah. a lot of them with Jack Nicholson, like, like five, five easy, easy pieces. pieces from yeah, yeah. As well. So Easy Rider, One Flew the Cuckoo's Nest, and it has that same sort of non-conformist vibe as well. This sort of same let's cast off the shackles of civilized society that deems men crazy for like. Daring to question how it's structured, mm. um, and all this, all this sort of stuff as well. Like, I take a man and I remove reason and accountability. I don't think that's the Jack Nicholson movie no, that he was emulating, no, I don't think but so. um, <laughs> you can all aspire towards that. But it very much is. It's Sean Penn. Like this is the issue with with, with McCandless, and this is like one of the things when I said like McCandless was one of the three things that I didn't like about this movie. McCandless was found dead in the magic bus and people call it the magic bus now um in I, I imagine McCandless called it the magic bus he did and people and like now there's this weird ups, uh, not weird I can yeah, understand exactly Marissa? no 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 this it's is like the- a magic bus in the same way that magic mushrooms are magic because they 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 um taken in small doses <laughs> they can improve your cognitive performance but have 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 an appropriate guide and they may open your consciousness take too many and they can cause a psychotic episode yeah. um, don't do it by yourself for the first time uh, definitely not unsupervised but i mean this- I, i've never had magic mushrooms <laughs> but but they, I've, I've i've been reading uh, Reading and like listening to a lot of stuff about them, but I've, I, this is the thing about like, like <laughs> just in case my parents are listening. <laughs> Why would they be listening up to this point? They would have turned it off by now. But this is the thing <laughs> with McCandless because we talked about like in the ni- my employers as a product of the nineties, like recognizing like that yearning, that sort of spiritual desire, like the X Files. I want to believe stuff. This yeah. sort of like because famously. Um, in 1992, after um, after he was found, there was obviously a lot of discussion about what happened to him. There were articles written in, say, The New Yorker. Mm-hmm. Um, this is based on a book, Into the Wild, uh, which was actually written by a gentleman who wrote an article for Outside Magazine. Right. Uh, eight and a half thousand words, which is basically a novella published inside Outside Magazine right. about this guy who went off into the wilderness to disappear, yeah. to disconnect from society and to find some deeper meaning. Mm-hmm. And like, he told, you know, there's a lot of dialogue taken from his letters and his diaries in the film as well so you get a full sense of that as well but one of the things that's happened is in the years since he's become this almost secular saint to people Mm -hmm. and this is interesting because like if you ask people who live in Alaska if you ask people who work in the forest service in Alaska what they think of what they think of Christopher McCandless yeah they absolutely loathe him. Like, this is the thing with, with uh, McCandless, is that he became, like, this sort of secular icon. So you had people journeying to Alaska and traveling on the trail and going up to the magic bus who were in no way prepared for the experience of hiking through Alaska, whether in the summer 
or in the winter. Mm -hmm. And he would have experiences where, like, the Alaskan, like, forest and rescue and sort of, like, emergency services, rescuing dozens of people every year who had ventured forth on these expeditions without any preparation, without Uh any research, without the proper equipment, much like he had done, Mm -hmm. and getting themselves stranded and trapped. Mm -hmm. It's like those people who dive into the ocean during (laughs) storms and hurricanes. Yes. For the crack, like. <laughs> but th- this is the thing, though. He, like, I have a certain amount of sympathy for those people because I like doing uh, daft things. But when when you're all when, when you, you have to weigh the um, the chances of emergency services having to be um, called in order to rescue your sorry ass. That's the thing. I'm increasingly uncomfortable with the way in which. He has been sort of turned into a saint because mm-hmm. the thing about him is that, as somebody pointed out. If he hadn't have died, if he hadn't have been hadn't passed away and hadn't been found, if he returned home to his life or if he continued wandering, mm-hmm. he wouldn't be as big a deal as, as he is right now. Well, you need to you need to be martyred. The the the, the Irish saints realize when 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 um, the, the the missionaries that came here realize um, that they were never going to be martyred because the Irish were too sound. <laughs> um, <laughs> So instead, they sent themselves out into the wild on um, on these um, curricks in into the ocean or onto uh, islands like um, what's it saying, Kevin's Monastery or uh, Star Wars Island, <laughs> <laughs> as it is known. Yeah. Um, so it, 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 and 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 it, it's it, what it's called white martyrdom. Which 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 is very appropriate because no one no one is no one wants to what's the word victimize or no 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 nobody is um, as we've said very apologetically before <laughs> as, as straight white oh, this uh, is, middle class um, well, this people like Darren guy. and I have have <laughs> have it quite uh, quite good. Well, that, that's the thing. There's an element of very poor little white boy to all this, which is like, yeah, very much so, this yeah. guy who's. He's had an affluent life, and it's very good that he gave, like, the film makes a point, and he did in real life donate um, all his college savings to uh, Oxfam and yeah. asked him to feed a starving person or a starving family, which was very gracious and very dignified and something, you know, it was a very good example. But on the other hand, and this is sort of, it reminds me a bit of, you know, Common People by Pulp. Yeah, well... Where you have that bit, you know, yeah. where you, you know, and, and it doesn't matter because if you called your dad he could stop it all mm-hmm. and there's yeah. an element of that to, to this here which is like he's choosing to put himself in in extreme danger and at extreme risk and he's doing so why for what for what purpose to to prove a philosophical point that he can live outside of society because mm-hmm. of because of something that's very um well i think he has he has genuine and kind of authentic points that 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 he wants to make i don't think he's an idiot um, no, no, he's very well um, read. He's very well educated. He, he yeah, knows what he's he, doing. He's put a lot of thought into yeah, the philosophy of what he's doing, if not the practical mechanics. Of yeah, what he's doing. and 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 I, I, well, like even in in the, in the practical mechanics, he 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 messes up. So like he he um, we 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 talk about it. I guess Jack talks about it being a um, what was it? A, a, a Gary Sue. Gary Sue. Mm-hmm. Um, but in it, the it, film, anyway. yeah, in 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 the, in, in the film, but but. He he is still, I guess, underprepared 
Yeah. Like, like he doesn't wear socks in Burger King. True. That was one of those great examples where it's like, dude, I, I understand what you're going for here about society imposing like restrictions <laughs> on you and like governing your behavior and dictating how people interact with you. But like you can make those points and still wear socks while working in a yeah, fast food exactly, restaurant. Exactly. Yeah. You're not the king. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You, you are just a, a loyal servant of the king. Yeah, yeah. But you're right. Th- like, and I mean, there is a tendency to downplay the extent to which, which McCandless had actually done some research. He survived for 113 days in the wilderness, which is like 112 more than I would. But at the same time, he also... You could order an Apache, Dan. Yeah, you could just order pizza directly up to the bus. You know how the bus ended up there, actually? The bus was there originally... I'm interested to know. ...because of miners up in Alaska. So basically, right. they would operate mines. And when they had trails of people coming up and down, you couldn't make the trip in one day. Right. So they had a number of, uh, basically, stops that had been put up for miners who were going up and down. So there were four buses along the route that people could stop over and spend the night at right. when coming and going. Um, how do you get that bus there? You can push it with a bulldozer. Oh, yeah? Yep, that's apparently how they did it. There's actually talk, like Alaska, the local residents have suggested moving the bus by helicopter to a national park so that it would be somebody see. else's problem. Yeah, um, so, it, so, so that all these jerks don't keep, like, the, keep like, trying to go there. Yeah, the the local area, this is the thing, apparently it's a Let's cult. see what will happen if we go to this place where that guy died. Yeah. Well, there's an element of, of that to, to this. Like, the Alaskan response is arguably a cultural one. Mm. So, like, Alaskans, obviously, it's a very rough place to live. It's incredibly harsh. Yeah. The environment's rugged. It, it's, you know, the, the conditions are terrible. Yeah. And, and there's a respect of the land up there. And there's a respect that being in the environment is risky and dangerous for mm-hmm. people who have to be there. So, people who, like, hunt and yeah. people who fish and stuff. Mm-hmm. And so, there's an argument that, like, the reason why they feel so strongly about what you know, McCandless did is because he didn't do it for a literal, like mechanical sort of like material purpose of like surviving. Mm -hmm. He went up there to, to prove a point philosophically speaking when he could have gone anywhere else and done any other thing except that. Yeah. Wayne, Wayne told him to um, go South, which is good (laughs) advice, which he initially took, but then was like, no, no, I want to go to Alaska. I like this is how much I, I dislike this movie. It made me sympathize with Vince Vaughn's character <laughs> when when he was like when when you know when he gave the big speech about how he needs to break society and why people are so mean to one another. At which point I was like, dude, how do you think your family is responding to what you're doing? Yeah, you're I thought that for out. Yeah, you're like, such a selfish little sod. Yeah. But it's like you're, you're, being, point, you're complaining about how people aren't nice to one another, I whereas think, you're tearing your family apart. I think we're forgetting that that point is made in the movie. It's not, though. The movie makes a point that his absence draws his family together. Like, the point is made that they, his parents come to have a deeper love and respect for one another in his absence. There's actual quotes from his sister, who's played by a young Jenna Maloney, yes. where she's talking, for example, about how um, pain seemed to bring them closer and how they became people softened by the reflection that comes from loss. <laughs> And it's like, well, thank goodness they lost their sons so they could become good people. This well, was a really nice thing that he did. Darryl, it's also... It's like enti- Sue. It's also entirely untrue, by the mm-hmm. way. His family, McCandless's family, are currently involved in a pitched battle over his legacy. Yeah. His parents having published a book um, which is called Back to the Wild, based right. on the photos that, they, that he took from his camera... They published them as part of a picture book. Meanwhile, his sister, who's claiming that they had no right to do that, right. is organizing her own tours of the area and publishing right. her own book about the experience as a sort of a, a truer account. And there's a sense that, like, 
his his death obviously divided and, and traumatized his family. Yeah. Whereas in the film, it, it's portrayed as something like, "Well, thank this is a really selfless thing he did that allowed his parents to like stop being abusive to him." Yeah, that's a movie. I know it's a movie, but it's but... yeah. But we've also got to consider the fact that this is something that happened, and then there's there's lots of it's it's kind of like with a lot of things of martyrdom. Um, you can look at any sort of famous death. Let's look at, for example, Ian Curtis, Joy Division. You've got to consider that there's only certain people actually were there and knew him, and there's only a select few people actually were there physically in the real world when he was alive. He releases a few albums of Joy Division, kills himself. Many, many people come out of the woodwork, start writing books about him, films made about him. He becomes this legend in rock and roll. Very good movie, actually. It is a very good movie, but the point stands that nobody other than the people who knew him in real life knew what he was like or what his motives were. Even if he had these writings, we don't know what his actual agenda was. So then we have Sean Penn coming along with the candles, and he's uh, coming along and going, I've read this book, and this is my idea of what he's like and who he was and everything else. So we've got his representation. We've also then got it in the film format. But there's all sorts of things that you've got him all the way in the distance, and then there's this representation. And this is what I don't like about it, is the fact that if you had taken that, and maybe if it was a documentary, I know there's documentaries about him, but if it was done in a format that was a bit more true to form and maybe if it was a bit more deeper as opposed to just this radical, gorgeous, young 20-something comes out into the wilderness, he befriends those sexy people, and then, through self-discovery, he eventually dies and looks at the sky and it's beautiful. And it's this mad, stupid story. It's like, he's a... Idiot, really, isn't he? It's all he is. He's, just, he's a young idiot. Well, that's actually that's actually how how the Alaskans describe him. Like, yeah. There are letters written to the New Yorker and Outside magazine after they published yeah. those articles documenting him. And his response was, "No, he like there was discussion about how he died, what exactly he died from, whether it was poison seeds, whether it was bad potatoes, right. what it was that actually killed him." Yeah. And apparently, there was this big letter writing campaign from Alaska to right. all these news outlets saying, "No, cause of death was stupidity." Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, is has he been given a Posthumous. I know there's only one kind of Darwin Award. Would it, well, <laughs> yes. there's, there's, there's the, honor, no, no, there there's the honorable one ones. There's as also well, one where you where take they yourself out of the gene pool as well. Mm. There's one where you, if so well, as long those, as you, those are. Uh, oh yes, yeah, so yeah. yeah there are the ones the where you, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, sorry, the mechanics of Darwin Awards isn't here, but no, I, I think like Jack is. I kind of agree with Jack, and I kind of don't agree with Jack. Like I, I agree with. I don't agree with Jack in that we we talked about this. I think when we talked about like Amadeus, where it's possible to tell a fictionalized account of a true story that reveals a deeper truth. So it doesn't matter that Amadeus isn't an accurate depiction of Mozart. But I agree with Jack entirely that there's a sense that McCandless... Mo? Mozart? (laughs) (laughs) There's no Mozart to see the mind's construction in the face, Andrew. Um, Sorry. Uh, Has anyone seen Last Action Hero? (laughs) Um, I beg your pardon. Sorry, go on. Sadly, not on the list, despite (laughs) sort of revisionist sort of study. I I do quite like it, actually. But I like lots of bad movies. I like toys. You like this film? Yeah, I do. It's it's been sort of like, it has been reassessed, to be fair. Like, there has been a bit of a reappraisal of, of obviously, um, of Last Action Hero. But to get back to the point that Jack was making, which I kind of agree with, which is that like, McCandless has been turned into a martyr, so you can't even have, like, the, the distance that exists with, like, obviously Amadeus and Mozart. It's mm-hmm. like, this is the gospel according to McCandless in many yeah. respects, to the point where it quotes a lot from his diaries and his writings. Noticeably, it's, it's, what's interesting about this is not so much what Penn includes or what Penn makes up. He, he includes <laughs> a lot of really nice small details that yeah. were meticulously researched for the book. So, for example, the car getting flooded, by the way, which mm. is, and again, like, I, I read the book in the 90s as part of, like, research for the, the stuff I was doing on the X-Files. Because, mm-hmm. obviously, that tied into the whole sort of spiritual, Sorry. like, I want to believe. 
You read the book in the 90s as part of research for... Oh, sorry, I read the book recently as part of research into the 90s. Oh, right. Sorry. Okay. Um, I no, thought you were a child researching your book <laughs> yeah. that you wrote as an adult. Yeah. In 20 years' time, I'm going to write this book. No, about... They would never six. take me seriously because yeah. I'm just a child. Yeah. Sitting there in my bed. I don't know why bed. you sound like Gilbert Gottfried or something. <laughs> Sitting there in my bed with a torch. Oh, God. Like, <laughs> I don't know why I sound like 60-year-old Gilbert Gottfried. <laughs> but sitting there in, under bed with a torch at the age of seven going, wow, this prose is really good. <laughs> um, yeah. But I read it One of the things I liked about it was it sort of... The book doesn't deify McCandless to the same extent the pen does. And what it does is it actually uses him to, like, branch out and to tell all these different stories. Mm -hmm. And, like, one of the most interesting ones, for example, is, like, in the film you see him taking his beat-up car. And the car getting literally flooded. Not, Mm -hmm. like, in a sense of he turned the key too fast. No, more like in a a biblical sense of flooded. (laughs) Um, And it gets washed up and he takes the license plate and he wanders off so he doesn't want to be found, right? Mm Mm-hmm. The book then continues and explores what happened to the car afterwards. Because mm-hmm. it was actually used by the local police force for undercover drug stings. <laughs> Dirty Pete and the boys didn't. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, it's, it's like it's that sort of thing that the book goes into. That the film is so focused on McCandless that you kind of miss. Mm. And there's this really odd... like, And this is what you talked about it being... like. I have issues with the story, but it's also a bad movie in its own right. Yeah. Like, Penn's script is incredibly heavy-handed to the point where, like, the film is anchored in the knowledge. And Andrew cut me off because I, I you know, spoilers on earlier on. But, like, if you're coming to this film, you know the fate of McCandless going in. But oh, nevertheless... that I didn't. You didn't? Oh, sorry. Apologies. So, yeah, because I, I didn't realise that we had to pick films that we had seen. No, no, you don't no, have to. You didn't no, have to. We're well, actually really glad that you did. I, I, oh. keep, I keep on uh, kind of alluding to, like, a, a code. A rules book, or, yeah. a, a rules, <laughs> as, as if they're important. Mm. Just to be clear, they're, they're, they're not. Unless our listeners think they are. Actually, no. Irregardless of our listeners, they're the not important. Yeah, the the manifesto of the two fifty is not important. Um, nor are our listeners. Nor is anything. Yeah, um, we are embracing that's full blown nihilism right yeah. here. But I mean, like, it's so heavy handed because every one of the people whose lives that he changed along the way, like, it's a road trip movie. So he meets like Vince Vaughn, he changes his life. He meets Catherine Keener, he changes her life. He meets Kristen Stewart, he changes her life. He meets mm. Hal Holbrook, he changes his life. Not but, the way she wanted him to. <laughs> but every one of those conversations always ends. Oh with, yeah, <laughs> this time she has like done the metal eyes. Yeah, she she's really like, does. Like the, she's like, oh baby, the eyes. Like I'm gonna yeah, get me some those, of that sweet Emil Hirsch. Do those calisthenics, baby. <laughs> the old hippie lady is it no, no. it's Catherine Keener uh, Kristen Stewart <laughs> is, is the Kristen Twilight Stewart. lady oh, um, oh yeah Sorry. Th- they're, the, they're the eyes that say yeah the eyes that say uh, I thought he was gonna I felt like and this is again you say it's a poor movie the way they represented their relationship between um, Twilight Girl and the main character is poor in, in, what, in what it's meant to be doing and showing that she's attracted to him and he's oh I'm so gallant and, and noble and I don't even notice Whereas then he's flirting. Pedophilia is just a 20th century invention. <laughs> well, that's it. <laughs> is what he like could have careers, said. Yeah. yeah, yeah, like careers. But I suppose he's meant to have this like mother and son bond with the other woman. But I just felt that there was massive sexual overtones with that. Oh, yeah. They're very close. When they're all in each other's personal space as well. I felt yeah. like there were sexual tones between him and almost every character. Like though. his sister. Like yeah, like, 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 I, being silly, like, like I did not like, realize that 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 they were brother and sister. Yeah, I thought it was his girlfriend. Yeah, when she's like, "Why is she driving?" 
I thought, well, his, his girlfriend's driving and they don't like the girlfriend driving. And it was only, and even when they sat down, she's touched his leg. Yeah. And I thought, that's okay. <laughs> the, I mean, the, the, um, in the book as well, do, do, does, does McCandless and Ron, do, do they, <laughs> do they bond? Yeah. <laughs> no, that, well, the thing is that, in the book, it's, McCann- a, it's not a a, a, a um, kind of uh, May December romance. <laughs> Sadly, no. Um, well, in the book, McCandless is actually an avowed asexual. Um, he's as, as well as casting <laughs> he's straight edge. Yeah, um, <laughs> casting off like the materialist expectations of society. He's also rejected sexuality as right, well. Okay. Um, does I like, he make, I like, sorry, I like how Jackson. Oh, <laughs> oh, I, okay, yeah, one of those. You make like, YouTube I, videos. This does not surprise me. Um, it's like given everything else that we have in the film. Yeah, I just think that like so like he's twenty three isn't he, in the film. Yeah, like nobody knows anything when they're twenty three. Okay. No, it's so true. Well, this is why I feel bad because I mean, like I, we have been fairly hard on on my canvas here. Like to I don't mind the handles. I don't. He's like fairly hard because he's sorry. <laughs> he's entirely asexual. But no, he, like at, at the core of the story, he's a twenty-three-year-old kid who wandered into something that he was in no way prepared to deal with. I mean, every twenty-three-year-old kid has done that to some extent or another. Mm. The issue you is didn't. the issue is the way in which, like, as a culture, we've sort of like we deified him almost. That's it. Do you know what? You know, we were talking about Darwin Awards. There was a Darwin Award I read once, and it was about a man who he wanted to swim with fishes so much that he made a fish suit, and it was so water resilient and airtight that he suffocated when he put it on, and he died. So I read that and thought it was funny. But you could take that man. Write a book about it and say, yeah, he was he was so noble. He followed his dream. He wanted to swim with the fishes. It's beautiful. Someone can make Have a film about Tusk, it. Have not seen Tusk then, no? Huh? Have you not seen Tusk then, no? Oh, I haven't, no. But I'm sure it's it's the same thing. But my point being is that it's something that's absolutely ridiculous. It's some stupid kid who killed himself by mistake. But it's this thing where he's become a martyr because it took two art forms. One, a novel where you say it's so much detail and people can have their own interpretations of it. And then a film as well, which is globally successful and hits all of these top ten lists. So it's this thing where, like, it's glorifying something that is really stupid. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, you but, could take any down award and do that. But, I mean, I, I do feel I do feel some pang of sympathy for him as a person. I just... The issue is with Sean Penn's film. Like, and Penn's film is so heavy-handed. Yes. We talk about all the people whose lives he changes as he goes. Like, he's a... Ma- he is... Like, we joked earlier, he is Kane from Kung Fu. It's like, well, if you're he, a hippie with marriage troubles, maybe you'll find him. <laughs> you know? Yes, yeah. But he, if you're he, a 16-year-old girl who needs, like, direction and advice on not I, having sex with random handsome men, he'll find exactly, you. Well, yeah. if you're at 19... She, she, like, maybe has sex with the next random man that she... Uh, like, yeah. And they're like, did, did you just say... Super Trump <laughs> when we were making love um, who, who, who is that um, that's not a real person no no it's a superhero that I um, invented it, in my head yeah it's like the Green Lantern like all of my lovers take on that cape um, yeah the, the um, but the, the I think we're missing the the f- fact that uh, um, he he offers something to all the characters he meets, yeah. but all of the characters offer something to him that he rejects. That's and, true. And and there there's all of this kind of um, wisdom that I feel like he perhaps gets to at the end of the movie when it's too late. Yeah. You see these kind of books by um, Tolstoy mm-hmm. and Trudeau, where he realizes that he hasn't really read between the lines. Well, no. that, that and that that um, happiness is only real when it is shared. Yeah, that's that was a and, nice part. And 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 there there is there 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 is the moment that it it is 
it is a bit hokey, but I, I, I am, I am a bit sentimental. And the the um, section of the movie, so like the the movie is broken up into um, chapters, pretty much. Yeah, but they're 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 out of sequence. Yeah. So, so well, they jump um, back and they, forth. Yeah. What do you call that, by the way? They're, they're non-linear storytelling. Non-linear storytelling. I feel like there is a word for it that that Quentin Tarantino used. His death was kind of coming at the same time as the old man. The old man, by the way, sorry, I shouldn't just call him old man. Um, Ron. Ron. He's called Mr. Friend. Ron Franz. (laughs) I thought he was Mr. Hal Holbrook, who was the oldest Oscar nominee at the time. He got nominated for supporting actor for this in 2007, which was a phenomenal field. He lost to... um, uh, Javier Bardem playing uh, Anton Chigurh, but it was a fantastic panel. He was the oldest yeah. actor nominated at that time. Robert Duvall was older when he was nominated in 2015, though. How old is he? I don't know. Oh, I'd say he's 70s. Um, no, we're talking 80s, I suspect. Oh, really? Do you want to go to the fact machine check? Yes, please. To the fact we'll machine. The fact machine. <laughs> thank, thank you, Jack. It's not only Andrew's job, but that's not what it used to be. Jack just wheeled in the fact machine. <laughs> I think okay. This never normally happens. Drum roll, please. I think he's eighty-five. Oh, you mean like when he was? How old oh, was yeah. he? Oh, the, the, oh are, sorry. Are, are okay. we doing prices right, Rose? Yeah, eighty-five. And we're talking about how old he was when the film was eighty-three. Stopped. You say he was the oldest one that year, so what, how old? No, no, he was, the, he was the oldest person so who'd ever close, been nominated at that clo- point. Closest oh. without going over. You've said 85. 85. I've, I've said 83. When he was shooting the film, <laughs> he was... 82. Ah, okay. Well, so I... I... Oh, you I went Chuck. over. You overshot. So, 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 we're both so it, goes, it goes to Jack. Oh, what do you yeah. I said 85. Oh, so you're... Nobody yeah, takes on yeah, the Yeah, your first guess was better. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. There was one shot in this in the film, by the way, where it, it was... Just that, you know, when he's had the poison berry and he's dying, it cuts to Ron in bed. But I thought it was still a shot of him, but really sick. Because his <laughs> eye looked really... Like, obviously he's old, so his eye looks completely diluted and horrible. And he had white hair, and I thought, is that... Poor Hal Holbrook. Poor <laughs> <laughs> Hal Holbrook's like, what? <laughs> My eyes are perfect for a man now 93 years old. It, cuts, it cuts from, yeah, from Emile Hirsch looking like Conor McGregor before a featherweight fight. Yeah. Like, kind of um, uh, weigh-in. And, and then it, it, it goes back to this disgusting old man. <laughs> uh. <laughs> It reminds me of mortality. But there's one of like <laughs> I don't want to look at it. But like the, the conversation between Ron and uh, Ron and Chris, like it has one of those great Sean Penn lines. This is the moment where I laughed out loud, which is like the moment where like where they're climbing up the mountain and where like you know it's time for Chris to lay some hard truths yeah. on, on Ron, and he's like, "You're going to live a very long time. You should change your lifestyle." And I'm sitting there going. One of you is going to be dead next year, <laughs> yes. and it's not going to be the dude who's yeah. like 83, 83 years yeah. old. Dude, I, I, that's a good point. I didn't I, actually think about that. Though. I, I, I was being sympathetic to this movie, thinking I hope we've not that, swayed you. I well, I, I feel like the first time I watched this movie, I took it like completely on face value, and perhaps that's as it intended, seeing as Sean Penn wrote it, mm-hmm. that like he's not meant to be that. That um, McCandless isn't meant to be like the world's biggest jerk and a, a, um, a, a complete like um, 
arrogant um anti-social indulgent sort of yeah 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 because like like there's a moment where you can tell sean penn wrote it because he arrives in los angeles and it's just horrible it's like the apocalypse it's like um (laughs) (laughs) like there was a moment (laughs) when he yeah when he looks in a window and I, I, i i think he's on He's on like Franklin Boulevard or something like that, where where like he had been in in like the mission, and it's a funny thing when he arrives in L.A. because L.A. is a really flat town. Yeah, but the way they shoot it, it's all in downtown. Yeah, so it's like looking up at these skyscrapers, and then and then he spends a while in downtown, like and there's a whole lot of like kind of homeless people and stuff. Mm. There's also a really good chicken place there called Howling Rays. They didn't show that. <laughs> But what, what they did show is they showed this kind of like really fancy bar. Yeah. And it's very difficult to find bars in, in, in Hollywood because Americans don't seem to drink. Um, in, in, in Ireland, there's a pub everywhere. Yeah. Um, but it, they... they <laughs> the worst you, thing about Irish people going to the States is that it's very hard to find alcohol. Yeah. Relatively I, like, speaking. I don't even uh, drink that much. But every now and then you feel like, oh, I, I'd like to have a pint. And then you realize, like, oh, there's, there's no pubs. There's just these bars. And anyway, anyway sorry. Um, he's looking in the window of this bar... And and there's like a Wall Street Michael Shannon there, <laughs> and he's like, oh no, that's what I'm going to become. He turns into like Wall Street Emil Hirsch, who looks uncannily like Tim- Timothy Oliphant. Yeah, I was like, it took me a moment. It's like, what is Timothy Oliphant doing in this movie? <laughs> it's like, oh no! It's like, and this is the thing with the movie where it's like you can tell Sean Penn writing. That's like that's a searing indictment of modern culture, man. Where it's like this is what he could have been, but he chose not to be. And it's like, dude, he could just join an NGO. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He could like he could go overseas. He could do good work. He could build houses that's it, if that's yeah. what he wanted to do. Yeah, yeah. He doesn't he have doesn't, to stop. Like, it's Everyone not like with a social security card is a monster. Yeah, essentially. Yeah, because yeah, like, it's yeah. And the, the, like the, it, and I, I thought that that was it, it was very clear that like this is the kind of guilt that people feel of being part of a system uh, that 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 crushes so many. They feel they feel like oh, if I were to be part of that system. I would be um, just as bad as the man. As the worst possible example. Yeah. Like, and, uh, and let's be fair. Like, to be fair, there is an argument there to be made. And it's like, you are sympathetic. And I like even I, you know, Darren, arch-capitalist and cynic, I'm like, yeah, he's maybe got some points. Factory here. owner, Darren yeah. Mooney. Yeah. <laughs> Coal miner. Um, but yeah, you do have coal executive Darren Mooney. But like, I'm like, he, he does have some. He's like, he's making some decent points. He's got some good arguments. He's clearly thought a lot about this. He's like, young men his age could do a lot to think a little bit more like he's thinking. And then you're like, okay, but getting from that to chopping up your security, you know, your social security card and everything else. I've, I've done fairly drastic things before, though. Like, um, it's a, a strange thing in this movie that he doesn't have a phone, and that's a an odd thing in, well, ni- in nineteen ninety two. One one time when I was ha- when I was having my, um, I had a what's his name Christopher, um, or sorry, no one where uh, he doesn't no, have no, a phone no, or no, an email. No. Uh, Christopher McCandless. I had a Christopher McCandless moment in two thousand and four. When uh, I must have been off my meds or something, but <laughs> sorry. Um, the, and one of the things I did was I, I had like a Nokia with like all of my friends um, in it, and I, I I was in I was in your estate actually in um, <laughs> in Sligo uh, in, yeah, in yeah, Kevinsport yeah. in Kevinsport yeah. Darren no longer lives there, so we're we're, we're not revealing his um, 
his location. Although, the, if you do want to make a pilgrimage there, it's probably much safer than going to the magic bus. Yes, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I, I took my phone and I threw it in the long grass. Um, and I, I went away for for a while. I think I went away for like a um, a. a I'm, I, I might be misremembering it, but I feel like I went away for like either two weeks, three weeks, or or maybe a month or so. And then I think I was back in Sligo at some point, having decided um, that my 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 my. Well, I don't know if I had decided yet whether my bohemian um, existence was um, was uh, something that I wasn't willing to go ahead with. But I was I I, I was curious. Um, the next time I was in your estate, whether the phone was still there, and it was. And there was a phone tree. <laughs> yeah, there is a phone tree um, <laughs> grow, growing there with many phones. Exactly. Yeah. And it was yeah. and it, so it all worked out, and they all had everybody's number. All in the children life. sat underneath it. It was yeah. lovely. It was yeah. a beautiful day. For the, really I was, was wondering how that tree came to be, and now I know. There you go. Yeah. This is the origin. I always needed a good ending to that story. There you go. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, but no, like there, there is. Like, to be fair to Penn, he does take certain elements of, say, the book. Mm. And the book is much more critical of McCandless than the film, because mm. it kind of makes the point, arguably, that, like, he's driven very much by, like, rage directed at his father for his affairs and his for his abusive relationships and stuff like that. And there's an act, this is an act of rebellion for him rather than a philosophical statement. At mm. least the book well, makes... Well, it's both. I mean, I mean, in the movie, the, the sisters kind of... Um, she talks about how it's not just that's it, an exactly. act of rebellion. That's it. Like the the film goes out of its but way. But it very to much is. Like in 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 the movie, it is it is certainly an act of rebellion, and it, it's it's it it's like it's 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 equivocal. So it it, it is that, but it's also another thing. But but it, yeah. There's also though, like again, the way it's phrased, though it, it's it's very much like Jesus going out into the desert. It's you know, yeah. something more than anger, more than rebellion, driving him. Is everything Jesus angry at his dad. Yeah, um, everything he said has to be said, and I trust him that everything. <laughs> Jesus' he's dad also said, "I am God." <laughs> yeah, I mean the connections are just like it's it's hard to ignore at this point. Um, yeah. <laughs> although to be fair, Jesus didn't have an old man drive him a hundred miles out of the desert. He had no man try, but it didn't yeah. quite work out. But I mean, there's also everything he said has to be said, and I trust him that everything he's doing has to be done. And there's like, because even on that note, the film like refuses to. The film sort of insists that he's still magical in some way. That yeah. he's still like he's still profound. He's not. This isn't the story of a poor twenty-three-year-old who was confused and lost and suffering from a trauma that even he couldn't quite articulate. Yeah. This is instead like a great philosopher of our time who was. Sorry, here. no, it's both. I'm not sure. So the the, the um, he is um, a <laughs> <It's> <laughs> a wild. little bit of moose just <laughs> just uh, fell out of my beard. <laughs> <laughs> Uh. Andrew's just so angry. It's like uh, <laughs> yeah, no, it's so spin, passionate. Spinning moves. Yeah. I'm, I'm angry as uh, as hell. Um, the um, oh, by the way, I like William Hurt a lot in this. Um, I, well, I, William Hurt's great in general. Yeah, he doesn't yeah. get nearly enough to do. Um, um, but um, it is both, and it it's not either one or the other. I think it is both. In that he is this sad uh, cautionary tale, but he's also an example of. Because whether whether a person dies doing something um, or not is is not, I think, um, an indictment of 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 of, of that thing. Be, because I think ultimately everyone has to do their um, their own thing, especially especially if it's not harming others. 
um, which which um, Christopher McCandless is harming others um, to the extent that he doesn't give forgiveness to 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 his parents. Mm. And the the, the 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 point is made um, in the movie. So we we forgiveness we, is love. We, we yeah. We have we have friends say when you forgive you love and when you love God's light shines upon you and uh, McCandless complete like it's a very hokey uh, sentiment and it's exactly what you expect from from this yeah but also from the character who's 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 giving it and um, McCandless undercuts it by just kind of like laughing and 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 and, and uh, uh, saying like oh, oh um oh my god and and, and swearing and the the um Ron is like none of that Ron, on this podcast. Yeah, yeah, none of that on this podcast says <laughs> <laughs> says Ron friend. <laughs> Ron friends um party uh, it'll be there for you. <laughs> yes. When the rain um, starts to fall, but it doesn't so, because he lives in the desert. Yeah. And he he ignores that, but this is the kind of lesson that he event- that eventually sinks in because this is very um, formally speaking, a coming of age story. It's told in chapters, yeah. and 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 it's it's his his birth, his childhood, his adolescence, um, him um, be- become becoming. Sorry, I'll, 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 um, his birth, his adolescence, his manhood, and then f- well, one of the chapters family. is even called manhood. His, his yeah. family, yeah. and then finally getting wisdom. Getting wisdom is the final chapter. And he gets wisdom, but he, 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 he gets it too, too late to the extent that he dies. But I don't think too late to the extent that it doesn't matter. Because I, I, I've, 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 I feel like when, when, when you get wisdom, it's not like, um, it's not like oh, I've, I've got all of this wisdom now and I'm going to go out and use it. There is, there is, there is also a, um, I guess, a, a value in itself. Of 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 having uh, reached that uh, uh, quite aside from the the utility, because I I I think he starts out with like he he is right to say that that he has his head on his shoulders, um he's not like well yeah a quizzical look from Darren but which uh, doesn't like, translate to the audio medium to no be fair. um uh, like yes and no as uh, he for certainly for for a twenty three year old to condescend. To um, Christopher, the way the way he might condescend to um, <laughs> Ron France, yeah, which is ridiculous. It's <laughs> like this old man is literally in the movie to teach you things, <laughs> and you're trying. Don't to, be a jerk. My, yeah, one of my um, favorite moments with Ron is the moment where where Chris is like, "Hey, come up here. You should come up and see this. It's a great view from up here." And he starts to climb, and then Ron's foot slips, and you get a quick reaction <laughs> shot of like Chris's face, yeah, going, "Uh oh." <laughs> it's like, it's like, will I bury the body here? What will happen? Um, but yeah, there's there's something really horrible about his interaction. Say it was the pot smokers. <laughs> but he kept he kept showing, what was he kept saying as well after every step, which was just comedic after about five minutes. Oh yeah, he's like stubborn old man. He's like, I'll do it. Now I'm gonna do it. Now I'll do it. But he does it like every five minutes, <laughs> just him saying that as he's going up the mountain. Yeah. Something I just want to add there. Do you remember a while ago saying though that I didn't know how it was going to end? I actually thought that McCandles. Was it, the ending was going to be he returns to his home and his mum and dad are like we're, we're going to change and all this crap and I thought it was going to be like you know he writes this book which is what the film's made of and it's actually all true so when at the end he died and then I learned by reading the Wikipedia that it was all this actual real guy who died sorry who died and then obviously it was just a representation of that I was like what 
Because that's like, I just like I said to you, I said, I don't know what is true and what's just for the movie. Notice how every character has some tragic backstory. Ron's, you know, Ron's family died in a car accident. He became yeah. a massive alcoholic, you know. Well, I mean, a lot of this is based on, obviously, research that was done for the book and letters that were written and stuff. And I mean, we talked about how Penn makes a point to include a lot of stuff that actually happened. So, for example, mm. his etchings and his writings, his writings in the margins of books... They're all accurate as well. Quotes from his letters are all accurate. And what's more interesting is what Penn chooses to leave out. Mm-hmm. So, for example, when people found him in the bus lying there too weak to move, mm-hmm. the note that he'd written, he'd written that big note, which is, you know, I'm, I'm happy or at peace, you know, and whatever. And he signed it with his own name. Mm-hmm. But he also had a letter that he'd written when he ventured off to go hunting for food that, that he couldn't find and foraging for berries, which was, if you find this, for the love of God, please help me. Please help me get out of <sighs> right, here. Okay. If you come by here and find this abandoned, I need someone to save me. Mm-hmm. And and Penn chooses to leave that out. Right. And I think that's a very telling omission. Mm. Like well, that sort I, of stuff. I think he, he, he is writing um, about kind of his loneliness and, and feeling like his, his, his weakest and... and, and, and um, sorry, I'm I'm a kind of an apologist for the movie. And I, I, <laughs> no, that's fair. I, mean, and, and I, I feel I, like I think, we're a really think, conservative radio think, show, and he's come yeah. on to end this issue. Yeah. Well, 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 now, um, dear, um, uh, the can come in. No, that, that's um, that's like uh, some kind of a mixture between uh, George Hook and Tom Likas. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, sorry. The movie uh, did nothing wrong. <laughs> George, George, if you'll let me finish. <laughs> yeah, yeah, the movie did nothing wrong. Um, <laughs> but, um, I, I, yeah, and, and, and I suppose there's a very transparent reason why this movie meant a lot to me. I'm surprised it didn't pierce my kind of um, critical faculties the first time I watched it. Is, is that, like, this is exactly the kind of life that I wanted to live. As 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 a um, kind of uh, late teen or in in my early twenties, I, I, I want I had dreamt about it. I had plotted it out what I was going to do, how I was going to do it. That I was going to travel the world like Kane. I and there, serve as a hippie hitch, which is my personal favorite thing, where he's like a hippie marriage counselor. Well, yeah. you're, you're 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 <laughs> conflating me and and the character of Christopher McCandless. I like to Darren. think that if you found the a listeners hippie... can't see, but I'm, I'm I'm giving Darren a stink eye. I like to think that if you found a hippie couple who were in need of marriage counselling, oh, yeah. you would happily be their hippie hitch. No, I would be. You're 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 quite right. But yeah, <laughs> <laughs> um, but like Sean Penn, you're trying to tell my story. <laughs> Apologies. Go go ahead, Chris. But. Um... <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, that, 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 that's that's the very kind of transparent and obvious reason why this movie speaks to me. But I guess the less transparent and obvious reason is that it for for me it's a movie about finding yourself before you find others, um, which is I think an an important point that a lot of people in 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 this very kind of social connected world uh, miss. And I, I think it's 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 the reason why there are, uh, it's one of the reasons why there's a lot of problems in this world between people is not because of the relationship per se, but because the people haven't found each other before they found each other. Sorry, they haven't <laughs> found themselves themselves before they found each other. 
Interesting. If 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 you know what I mean, and that's what that's what Christopher quite earnestly is trying to do, until he realize. I think he realizes at the end that once he's come into this kind of manhood, and and has um, kind of developed this wisdom, he realizes, okay, now I'm 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 ready to to kind of complete the 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 circle and to to. Um, now, now I can be a, a man in the world because now I am a man. It's like the feminist kind of um, defense of marriage. By I, I, I think it's like based on the Beauvoir, but it's like a Marjorie um, Zeinzweig um, article on it, where it's it's you need you need you need individual autonomy before you can have shared autonomy with a partner. And the reason why a lot of uh, marriages become these. Kind of uh, sorry to get to get off topic, but I no. suppose it's not so off no, topic. Not off topic. Um, the, the, in 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 order to have that shared autonomy, and in order for it not to become a relationship of of unequals, um, you you need you need to to find that yourself mm. before 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 you go looking for something in another person. And I, I feel like that was the the profound message of this movie. And I guess the tragedy of it is that it doesn't. It doesn't reach its its kind of um, logical completion, which is his 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 return to 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 the world um, after after having um, found himself. Well, I mean, it, it is worth pointing out that this is like Into the Wild belongs as part of like a rich literary tradition, particularly in American literature. I mean, so I talked about the like preoccupation that Americans have with the road movie and the wilderness mm. and the frontier, and it's like he, he literally says at one point, you know, where this else? This is a wheelhouse, by yeah, the way. Where this else, is the push western? Yeah, where else do Americans go to find themselves but push westerly? So that's mm. what he does. And there is like he's reading Jack London, for example. But I mean, you can think of other examples off the top of your head. For example, uh, the Reese Witherspoon movie Wild, which is based on the book by uh, Cheryl Strait, right. it deals on with a sort of similar idea the idea is that like the wilderness provides a sort of a almost like a crucible through which an individual is sort of forged and can find themselves and mm. like that's an, an interesting idea and it's a very uniquely it's not uniquely american but it's more common i think in america well, than it would be in europe yeah i i suppose he he, he mentions jack london he mentions Thoreau. he also mentions tolstoy so the, I, I feel like the reason he puts Thoreau and tolstoy together is because they kind of express that almost kind of anarchist kind of return to the land sort of sort of like um a um a breakdown of um uh, i suppose centralized government or are mm. these kind of um controlling forces yeah, by the way, just on that note, there's a lot of shots of planes with trails behind them. Yeah, I noticed film. that as well. I noticed that as well, just because a part of me, like, my, my, my brain was he's going... Not, he's not safe from, from chemtrails, no matter where he goes. I, I get that the movie was saying that he was trying to disconnect himself from, like, the network of civilization and stuff, but the way in which the film sort of positioned it with him living with hippies and this sort of attitude made me think that maybe Sean Penn was like, yeah, also chemtrails. There is nowhere you can go where you will be safe from chemtrails, to be clear. Just... I, 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 um, I, 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 um, I was on a, I was on a plane back in January and went went over Iceland and Greenland and these um, uh, Arctic deserts of uh, of just ice and snow um, 
And then there's this plane. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, it, it's this kind of am, 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 amazing experience where where uh, like um, you you no matter where you go, it's 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 probably there's probably a flight path. Yeah. Or, um, Sorry, in relation to in relation to Toy Story, the Tolstoy, um, he um, Toy Story, Toy Story. In relation to him, he had a book, a book. He had a story about a man on his deathbed who is like a rich. A lawyer and uh, then a judge in his lifetime and the so- short stories about him on his deathbed realising that all of his achievements in life don't mean anything because all of his family are like oh you're dying and it's all his children are just looking about the inheritance thing we get his wife's thinking about her inheritance all his friends are abandoning him his, his boss doesn't care about him anymore because he's not going to be in the office and it's, that's what the story's about and that it's this man's dealing of his demise and that he's going to leave the world and no one cares so it's, it's quite funny that this guy obviously is uh, a big fan of him but, um, yeah, I mean, something I thought was interesting as well is the fact that, like, you know, he's like going into the wild. He's living in um, a sheltered building, pretty much, which is the bus. Uh, it doesn't seem like he's he's really living in the wild, in my opinion. It's not like he's uh, building a camp out of trees and leaves. He's well, got, like, a shell that he's living in. His, um, his like... His basically, he made a, a number of mistakes, according to like Alaskan uh, wilder people. Um, but people familiar with the Alaskan, <laughs> wilder Alaskan wilderbeasts. Yeah. But uh, for people familiar with the wilderness, the he, wilder made, he made a... Taika Waititi's Alaskan wilder people. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, so apparently McCandless made a number of like key mistakes along the way that anybody with any real experience would have told him. And Zach and Ala- Yes. Oh, yes. How do we pronounce uh, it's, it's Galifianakis. 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 <laughs> who, who tries to hide Giraffe his eyes. There's a, there's, a, <laughs> there's a really weird tendency where he's trying to hide his eyes. Yeah, on her I cap. thought that was weird. But uh, he's yeah. like, I'm not in this movie. Yeah. By the way, for 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 a la- for a comedy featuring Vince Vaughn and Zach, it really wasn't that funny. Yeah. But yeah there's there's um, the argument is that he packed a rifle that was too. That wasn't powerful enough to kill large animals. And you can see that it in the film it took him several shots to put down the moose, for example. Mm. It's but, very useful for killing rodents. Then, uh, when he killed the moose... Hold on, wait, wait a second. Zach Galifianakis cautioned... Like, in the movie, he's um, yeah, sceptical. Yeah. yeah, he says about there's that shit all over it. 22? It, it, like, when... when, when um, when uh, Christopher says like, "Oh, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna use a twenty-two. Uh, Zach Galifianakis's character is like, right? like he doesn't correct him, but he's like, he's clearly like, oh, I see you're an idiot. Um, I've, I, I, a twenty-two is the only gun I've ever had pointed at me. Actually. Interesting. Yeah. Is there a story? Well, how many here? bullets did there it take to bring you down? <laughs> <laughs> it's like, it was like shooting a moose. Yeah. <laughs> it wasn't. An, yeah. I. I. I'm. I'm like a moose because I've eaten many. Yeah. Uh, but no. Like so. That was one of the things. And when he killed the moose, uh, when he tried to smoke it, mm. the issue was that he hadn't built the smokehouse beforehand, so the, the meat had already started going rotten by the time that he was able to build up sort of enough ah, yes. fuel to get it going. But apparently what Alaskans do mm-hmm. uh, when they kill moose mm-hmm. or mooses or meese, uh, or meese if no, you will right. um, when they're loose about this hoose yeah. um, <laughs> but they basically they cut them, they don't kill them because there's not really that much meat on them Right. but they also, when they, when they do kill them they tend to put the uh, meat out and leave it sun dried Right. because in the middle of the summer there's not much moisture in the air and as a result, when the flies lay eggs um, on the on the meat, um, if the meat dries quickly enough and doesn't go rotten, those eggs can't hatch because obviously maggots only eat rotten meat. 
So that's apparently how he would have done it if he had known, if he had done any research beforehand. Yeah. Is he would have just laid the strips out and sun-dried them, basically. In fact, so what, what... His mistake was not bringing a meat slicer. Yeah. Um, and apparently what, what the... Um, I, th- I found this quite interesting when doing research for the podcast. Apparently what the Alaskans would do is they would basically take all the guts and all the stuff that they weren't going to eat, like the heart and stuff, right. and they would leave it out in the dirt like a couple of metres away. Ah, so that would draw the flies. Ah, very so the flies would go towards the meat that's not you know currently sure, out sure. drying in the sun. It's the one that's in a big pile of wet sort of... Uh, festering stuff okay so I, I just yeah, and, uh, so if you are in the wilderness wild, listening to this podcast you have a much better chance than Christopher yeah. Candace wild animals generally go for the entrails first anyway because they're um, higher, higher, higher in uh, nutrients so interesting yeah but yes yeah, so, well, that would have been that, so that, so if there's any flies speaking I was <laughs> an expert in this particular field in terms of stuff there's also like there's a lot of Really, 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 really terrible, Henry, awkward writing from Penn on this. Oh, and I feel like we haven't hammered it enough. Like, for example, there's the recurring trend of characters who have had their lives changed by Chris mm-hmm. making future plans with Chris mm-hmm. so that his death seems even more tragic. It yeah, starts yeah, at yeah. the very beginning when he gets out and your man gives him a set of boots. And he's yes, like, that's a good when point, you get actually. back, give me a phone call. Later on, Catherine Keener's like, well, if you come, I'll make you a proper hat. Now, she does get to meet him again, luckily enough. Yeah. But later on, there's Vince uh, Vince Vaughn saying, Alex, you come back and work for me anytime you like. Yeah, that's true. That, that's, Hall, that's exactly what a first-time screenwriter would do. That's what I mean. And that's kind of like the limitation of, of Sean Penn. And it's surprising that, <laughs> that, 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 that I suppose this, this is the... Um, the... I should point out it's not his first, it's his third, but... Oh, it was? Okay. Well, did, um... But I get the sense this was a much more personal or passion project for him than the previous two had been. It might be a bit sophomoric. Yeah. Like, the, 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 um... What, what I did enjoy is the Chekhov's book of Flora and Fauna, where it's pretty much like in one of the first scenes, where yeah. it's like... I have this book. <laughs> of, of, yeah, and the, the, the sweet pea. The yeah. sweet pea got him in trouble. <laughs> um... <laughs> Uh, because the Alaskan um, <laughs> sweet pea looks quite a, uh, a lot like the um, poisonous sweet pea. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, and that's after he's like learned how to kayak. That's after he's like killed and hunted animals. All these things that, like require much more skill, and he's managed to do all this perfectly. Can we, can, we, to... can we talk about the kayaking scene? Because this is something that really, really. I wasn't a big fan of the character of Chris McCarla, Chris, Christopher McCandless from, like, the outset. This made me like him more. But the kayaking scene really, really got me, where it was like, hey, I want to go ride a kayak. Yeah. And the guy behind the counter is like, well, you see, <laughs> thing is, if we put people in kayaks before they're ready, they tend to drown because yeah, it's yeah. very dangerous and volatile. So, You're such a wet blanket, Darren. We're, we, we're such fundamentally different people. Like, so, I, 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 like oh, you, you need a permit. You're like, the, the, the voice of the law in, in, in this movie. It's like you mustn't let people do dangerous things. They, um, when they're clearly not prepared to do so because then 23-year-old kids die. You never let me set things on fire. This one 23-year-old kid died. Um, are we talking about the movie? 
isn't that a small price to pay? But yeah, yeah it's a bit where like the guy's like, okay, well, you know, you could uh, you could put go down on a waiting list, but because there are so many people who need to be trained, it's going to take you about seventeen years. He's like. Or you could go with a guide who is a qualified professional who has done this a lot of times with people who are in a similar condition to you. And Chris is like, that's no fun. Yeah, exactly. Um, well, he's totally right, by the way. No. That's why I'd see the naked lady's tits. Sonia's tits. <laughs> <laughs> that's why you Sorry. go kayaking. But yeah, uh, but, but then, then, yeah then that's he... why I go kayaking. <laughs> Because there might be naked Danish people. That's, that's it. That's but, it. Um, yeah. but no, and then you get a, a sh- knows me so well. <laughs> and you, then you get a, like a shot of him riding the rapids, and it's like, oh, this is yeah. hilarious. And you have the guy on the rock who's like, wear a helmet. And the film is basically like, stop being a killjoy. Yeah, and exactly. Yeah, and yeah. it's like, really? It's nature, Darren. How how, how inconvenient is it to wear a helmet? And also the depiction of the guy on the phone, like, disinterested in him, like, yeah, yeah, yeah one moment. It's like, it. only my job to know these <laughs> yeah, things. Yeah, exactly, yeah. <laughs> I'm in the middle with this one. I get what your point is, <laughs> but I get what your point is as well. Your point, obviously, you can't have rules about going down a river on a kayak. I like how Andrew's like, not harming anyone. I like how Andrew's like, the rules of the podcast are sacred and shall not be violated. That's, yeah. <laughs> but, like, health and safety regulations <laughs> and one of the most dangerous rivers yeah. in the United States... They're just get for giggles. No, yeah. I'm all for arbitrary rules. <laughs> but when it's to protect people's safety, they can write off. Um, so, um, yeah, that's that's how I stand. He's not he, he's not harming anyone. He comes to an untimely death. Um, is that the end of the world? It's a personal tragedy for, for his family <laughs> and, uh, and lo- loved ones. And the sales must have plummeted for that uh, book he was reading. Uh, for, for the one the, the, the poison poison poison. Poison. Yeah. <laughs> as as used by Christopher McCann yeah, exactly. um, as seen in Into the Wild <laughs> but yeah well, apparently Into he, the Wild Into uh, the Wild apparently um, he actually used he actually used uh, that book in real life most of his notes were written in blank pages at the end oh right and you're like so, publishers probably could have done with putting some more info on those blank pages <laughs> yeah yeah I mean yeah I just I th- do you know what I thought was weird? And this is, again, this is a sort of uh, being added in by pen. And it's sort of, this is so stupid. You know when he's in his, his days, he's just, he's poisoned himself and he's in the days. And the bear turns up and the bear just looks at him. He looks at the bear and the bear walks away. It's like, why the hell is the point of that? Is that to show that the bear is <laughs> like, he's so skinny, I'm not going to bother him? Or is it to show... It's like, I've seen moose with better <laughs> yeah, meat exactly, on them. It's yeah. like Pedo Bear, but he's like, uh, no meat, do not want. Um, <laughs> but I mean... I, th- I think what Penn's getting at is that he... Too he has, old. He has, <laughs> he has somehow got this communication with nature despite it all. Yeah, he's, he's somehow still, he's somehow still in tune. But it reminded me a lot of what was a similar movie from around the same time, which is Werner Herzog's uh, Grizzly Man, which sort of deals with similar themes. Yes, I thought a lot about um, Grizzly Man while watching this. And it's... Yeah, Grizzly Man is the movie that, like... I feel selfish when I say Grizzly Man is the movie that I wish Into the Wild was. Because, right. like, Grizzly Man Look is... Look at this stupid man. <laughs> That's pretty much um, it. He, he doesn't realise that stripping this moose would air dry it. Now his meat is covered in maggots. And, oh, I don't know where that impression is going with... Sorry. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, I, like, I feel like, yeah, maybe it's my inner nihilist speaking, but I'm like, Werner Herzog's Into the Wild? I would watch the hell out of that. Mm. Um, and it feels like that had the sort of, like, even though that was a documentary, and probably perhaps because it was a documentary, it had that sort of rougher edge to it that I feel like Into the Wild is missing. 
Yeah, but guys, this isn't a documentary. Well, have, have like, you reviewed? No, I, I, uh, have you two I, been I, camping? I, sorry, have you been camping? Yes, yes, as a child. Where did you camp? And as an adult, um, in uh, for the, the longest I camped anywhere was in uh, Denmark for okay. uh, three weeks. Was it? Safe? I camped within a holiday park and with rigidly defined boundaries, and officials were properly trained in health and safety. Okay, so, I camped on a beach. I don't know um, what your experiences with camping is, but camping generally, in my opinion, is not the most pleasant thing, and it can be quite tedious and being outside in the cold and wet's not the nicest experience i kind of don't like how this film sort of makes everything seem absolutely beautiful and grandiose for in reality he could have been in rain all the time you know i know there were some scenes where he's in the rain and he's lonely and everything else but there was lots of scenes where it was like this is the most perfect lifestyle why wouldn't anybody there's a there's a moment where he's eating an apple and he's making yeah. apple puns and that was probably his and then he barrels the camera that's it exactly he has an apologue yeah. Where, 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 he was where? eating apples. It's like you're the apple in my eye, and I'm like, I'm starting to like this kid. Yeah. yeah. And then he turns to the camera, and it's really uncomfortable. <laughs> not 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 like uncomfortable in a like you, the audience, are complicit in this. In like a <laughs> like, why did Sean Penn leave this take in the movie? Yeah. Because yeah. we figured Emil Hirsch is the next Sean Penn. Yeah. <laughs> and he needs that moment where he transcends media almost. Yeah. <laughs> This fort wall, yeah. But, but, <laughs> I mean, it does sort of it does get to that thing that we were talking about, like that common people vibe. And it reminds mm. me again of like nobody here has seen it, but another um, Kathleen Keener film, with Catherine Keener film, which is Unless, which is a story about a woman who decides to live homeless for the bones of two years in order that so she can have a real experience, so she can experience suffering because that brings her closer to like actual meaning. And there's a lot of that. There in is the... something very childish about that, but the 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 wish to experience suffering, to understand it, or to to explore um, suffering is. I I know something that Darren doesn't really. Um... <laughs> well, we talked about this on arrival. Yeah, where yeah like, where Andrew was like, "Yeah, you choose to have yourself against that rock being pummeled by the sea, yeah. so that you might have that experience of being yeah, yeah. pummeled by the sea." Whereas Darren's like, "No, you could just stand on top of the rock. It will be with fun. an ice cream." <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Like, well, this weather isn't what I would have wanted for my holiday, but I guess the ice cream's quite nice. Yeah. yeah. Ooh, Netflix. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, what's on Twitter at the moment? Um, But there there is, like, there's that weird disdain of civilization and society that runs through. But, you know, and this sort of, like, almost, I don't, you know, poverty tourism, but it's not poverty tourism. It's, like, suffering tourism. It's like... Well, it is a point of view that can come from... From people who who are indigenous and live in the wild, so it's not just um, white people that go um, to uh, to to live in these places to to kind of identify with that aesthetic. It's like the um, the movie The Mission, the um, uh, extras in that are 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 all from a um, tribe in. Um, I'm not sure is it the Amazon. It may not be. Um, but in, in, in South America and they were, uh, they were brought to one of the kind of, uh, events to do with the movie. And they were asked like, what do you think of, 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 of the civilized world? And they said, well, we think these, these civilized people are very good at making things out of stone, but we're very good at making things out of wood. And we actually prefer our, our, our ways to theirs. We prefer our, our, our world. We can, we can appreciate the, the the wonders that you've achieved here, but we feel like there there is a value in our um e- existence too. So it, like the disdain for um for the for kind of 
maybe disdain is a is a, is a harsh word, but the distaste Rejection for of for for the civilized world is is not something unique to um, ro- ro- romanticized kind of um, uh, views of um, kind of primitivism. It, it's it's a, it's something that that can come from 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 people who are native. Yeah, and that's fair. And I mean, even the use of the word civilized there is kind of loaded in that context. But I mean, it's also something that often kind of seems hypocritical coming from people like Sean Penn in this example, (laughs) where it's like somebody who's lived a life of privilege, who is like a, you know, lives in a multi-million dollar house. Yeah, who's like, uh, who's directing his own films, who's an actor, who's a celebrity, who's lived in this material world because he is a material boy. (laughs) Um, but yeah, who's basically, it's this weird, and it, it reminds me of, I can't Sean remember, I can't remember who it was talking with, uh, Kamel Nanjiani about, like, why so many Hollywood films written by people who are avowed atheists are very interested in, like, the religious experience in an academic sense. And, and there is that sort of sense of, like, people who live in a material world, like, wanting something more, wanting to believe in something more. Yeah. But when you're doing it like this, it feels exploitative, it feels hypocritical, it feels cynical to me. Yeah, I agree. I mean, it's, it's... It does a little, but... Um, and I, th- that was my first reaction to the movie. I'm, I'm actually... I'm in a very good mood uh, this weekend. But it, like, um, I, feel, I feel like my moods will, will uh, 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 shape and distort my, 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 my views of movies. So the first time I saw this... I thought um, the exact same thing that um, that I think you're articulating. I I gave it a, a very generous uh, interpretation. I mean, like uh, this the, this time around, and I think if you give it a very generous interpretation, and if you're in the kind of mood for it, and if you have a taste for for it, there there's there's a lot of uh, value to be to be. Yeah, and I, I mean, I mean to be clear, I like I stated my own biases, but before. it's it's definitely not perfect. It's it, yeah. there's a lot of um, admittedly um, hokey parts did it yeah and I mean like because it, 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 like we it, like to pretend that like criticism is an objective but you know everybody yeah. has their own starting point their own implicit biases their own understanding I mean before we we started talking about it I was like there are three elements in this film that explain why I didn't see it hmm. and watching the film it's you know maybe it's confirmation bias but those three elements seemed my reaction to those three elements seemed to be predictive in some sense of my response I'm, I'm surprised that Roger Ebert liked it so much because he seems like again the kind of like film critics in general seem like the kind of people who <laughs> like their comfort so, <laughs> sitting um, in a recliner chair drinking a gallon of coke yeah. watching this movie about roughing it in the wild exactly and it, should be, it should be noted by the way there's an entire subgenre of these we, we obviously mentioned the Into the Wilderness films like Wild or whatever but like Captain Fantastic which came out recently yeah. was another example of a movie that was very much in this style where for example, um, what's the name of the actor? Um, Christopher Walken. Aragorn from <laughs> Lord of the Rings. Viggo Mortensen. Ah, uh, yes. Um, he basically raises his family <laughs> in the wild because he chooses, like, that's the, the best way to do it. And it's all about how wonderful this primitive existence is. And yeah. I remember watching that thinking, this movie has been, like, screen tested. It's been, like, gone through this sort of process of people who live in, like, mm. you know, houses that cost, you know, dozens of yeah. millions or if not hundreds of millions of dollars. You know, the, the catering budget on this is enough to sustain an entire native population. Yeah. There's something very cynical. In, I thought that myself. Yeah, there's something very sort of cynical in that that just sort of puts me off that. That's, that's, Even if yeah. I were, and to be honest... I'm probably, I'm not the target audience, even if that stuff didn't put me off. I mean, I would never be like, 
let's go back to a more primitive way of living. It's like, I like vaccinations. Yeah. I like Netflix. You know, I like vaccinations more than Netflix. You're but killing your kids with autism, Darren. That's like, exactly what I'm doing. You like your me smug at free. Yeah. But like, um, the, <laughs> you know, I was thinking as well, just an exact same train of thought where there was, it was when he was doing something horrible at one point. I think it was, it wasn't the poison scene, but it was when he was writing and he was writing how lonely he was and it was raining. I thought, how much is the actor getting paid for this film? I thought, you know, they're, they're doing this film about, like you say, it's his impoverishment and he's in the wild and it's horrible. But I was like, this guy's getting paid probably lots and lots and lots of money to do this He gave film. it all to Oxfam, Jack. Did he really, yeah? No. Yeah, somehow <laughs> I suspect Oxfam got less of Emile Hirsch's salary for this movie oh, yes. than they did McCandless' He gave savings. it to a person from Oxfam and then choked them until they gave it back. Yeah, uh, until they felt like the front and back of their throats were meeting. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's Emile Hirsch, ladies and gentlemen. To oh. say nothing of Sean Penn tying Madonna up, her we- having to escape and get to the cops... Um, when she claimed to need to go, you're to the really bathroom. going after Emile Hirsch. I I, I, <laughs> I I tried to say some unkind things about Ben Affleck, like Ooh. Um, ding ding a, 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 a while a, back, a while back, and it was like, no, I have to remove that from the from the podcast. This is bleeped, is it? Well, I mean, there's a difference between being a sex addict and choking a woman so hard that she feels the two parts of her throat meeting. Is that is that uh, the Emil? That's the Emil story. Uh, yeah. so there's a ben Affleck did not choke a woman so hard that she felt like the front and back of her throat were touching. Uh, it was you Emil who did it. <laughs> can't Allegedly, yeah. Allegedly, didn't. Yeah. <laughs> Just so we're clear on this. Just in relation to the, um, the Candleman, uh, you know the fact that he uh, obviously, you know, he was in the wild. Did he actually Four work candles. in? In Burger King and also worked for Vince Vaughn. <laughs> Not Vince Vaughn, but did he obviously work for a corn popcorn maker, whatever he was, as well as Burger King? If he did, that's not really into the wilderness, is it? It's doing temp jobs to get by, then going into the countryside for it and coming back to do some more temp work. Because <laughs> that's what the film represents. <laughs> so, I mean, he won me, he's, he's in the wilderness cutting up a moose and then he's come back. Well, he's okay, well, to burgers. be fair, he doesn't Sorry, quite come back from cutting the moose. Yeah, those are flashbacks. All right, I'm... I'm Exaggerated, but you get my point. He, one minute he's, he's living it. in the in the desert with a little sunscreen, and up then he or comes whatever. in, works in a factory for a little while, goes back into the roughing, then comes back. It's like he's coming for his. It's like he's doing his little holiday. Well, that's back. the way. That, that, that's that's certainly um, one 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 way to do it, and it's the way a lot of kind of um, I guess um, uh, hippies do it. Is they is they do these jobs like um, fruit picking. For example, where yeah. where like like that that's 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 what I did for yeah. um, for for, well, for a while is... when I was when I was like kind of um, camping and that. Well, this is the um, issue with Brexit is that because of Brexit, you can no longer get in uh, people from Europe anymore to do that. Whereas it would have in the past been you'd have people come mm-hmm. from the continent to pick fruit, <laughs> and then basically would would stay and sort of experience the you know the way sure. you want to live. But it, it it also means that British uh, hippies <laughs> can't go. Um, That's true. Yeah. Sorry, what, what, what? I just think sorry, it's, Brexit to me is a bit like Trump, as in like you can find some way to get into any conversation. Any conversation yeah. Well, no, it's just when you said about picking fruit, I just remember that like that was one of the big issues was that there weren't enough people to pick fruit anymore. There weren't enough to pick yeah. strawberries and, and no, so, yeah, you get, yeah, yeah, and, yeah, it's funny. So I mean, like the, the death <laughs> when, of this when, sort of when you're a hippie. <laughs> sorry, no, no okay. never mind. Go okay. ahead, Andrew. Sorry, I cut you no, off. No, no, no. I was, I was, I was going to say something terrible, um, that, like what what Trump might say. Um, but um, yeah, let's move We're on. Terrible people on both sides of this conversation, Andrew. Yeah, but do you <laughs> know? Do you think, do you think, think it's a point though that he? Kept going back to society to to get some pocket money. No, go back into I, I, I think like I, again going back to the mission. Uh, we live in a world. The world is us. 
um, there there's a certain amount of um, uh, escaping you can do, and some people can manage to escape it indefinitely and uh, live live off the land. But for others, um, you you reach that point, and then you you your 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 feet get itchy, and um, you need to go go elsewhere. And yeah, <laughs> and you can't just take all of this uh, setup that you have with you. Mm. So you have to go somewhere. Maybe uh, you walk, the walk a little bit, kind of. Well, uh, I mean, well, yeah, yeah. I suppose if you're Bear Grylls, you can, yeah. Maybe um, that is a really terrifying He goes back experience. to his studio and, yeah. Well, the, the argument is that, like, it, it, it has been suggested that, like, it's entirely possible if McCandless hadn't have passed away in the magic bus, if he had gone out into the wilderness, reached an epiphany and come back, Mm-hmm. You know, he would probably now be like an executive at Morgan Stanley or something like that. He would have, you know, <laughs> yeah. he would have gone off, had that rebellious phase when he was in the, you know, in his young twenties, yeah, yeah, yeah. done his exploring, or, his wandering. He'd have become his father, I'd say. Or uh, this is an origin story. An origin story where, like, it, Peter Parker could have been bit by a radioactive spider and just died. But radioactive moose. But he he um, he became Spider Man. The the um, rather than g- getting dysentery, the other version of McCandless <laughs> could have become Super Tramp. Yeah, he yeah. is a tramp Sorry. who is super. He's even got the magic yeah, bus. and he's flying around America saving people's lives. By like not having sex with them, or um, and not exploiting the railroad. I love that little railroad monologue where <laughs> that was like, Darren's oh, favorite yeah. part of the movie, yeah, where the guy, where just some, told... somebody uh, playing Darren, <laughs> <laughs> where, where McCandless, who's been like freeloading off the back of these trains, riding them around, doing this sort of stereotypical vagabond American experience, riding Darren, the railway as the backbone. Uh, you know the railway being the backbone of America connecting like the drive westward and all this sort of stuff it having huge symbolic importance you know at one point the train stops this guy grabs Chris McCandless drags him out into this into like the stony ground and proceeds to beat him with a flashlight while saying what I can only imagine was pulled from like Sean Penn's fever nightmares uh, which is this is the goddamn railroad and we will do whatever it takes to prevent you freeloaders from affecting our liability and it's like, you, you, you realize, like, he doesn't have to be an abusive asshole. He could just have a legitimate point, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But why not? <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, like, that's most of the fun, I imagine, of that job. Where it's like, oh, yeah, I, I got to get up in the middle of the morning. Go out to take some hippie after. Can I at least... How many uh, hippies are on there? Beat, like, seven... <laughs> there was shade. 20 this morning. 20. <laughs> it's, it's worse than those kids yeah. venturing up the Alaskan Trail. Yeah. Um, nice thing about hippies is they're soft bastards. They don't fight back. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, <laughs> very satisfying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry. <laughs> but, yeah, it was... That, that sort of thing really threw me, where it was like, Sean Penn, is it possible for you to imagine modern society is not... Horrible and horrific and full of people who yeah, are brutal exactly. and mean for no other purpose than to be brutal and mean. This is this is the whole thing of what I don't like the film is this form of every every character has like its purpose. They're not just there to be a, a character in the story, they're there to serve purpose. So his a purpose symbolic is just, sort of Exactly. Yeah. So it's like, you know, the hippies are there and they're having an initial like you say and then he fixes the issue. But then she also has to mirror his own family's plight of losing her son and it's like him being in the wild missing and it's it's like they're only yeah, there I, purely to represent some bull. I mean, it, well, it is. It is. <laughs> that that well, is I mean, true. Is they are there to represent. Some bull- <laughs> 
But this is very much in, in keeping with the idea of Chris as a sort of a Jesus figure. This is basically a secular gospel. It's like these are parables. These aren't stories. Yeah. Like, I was wondering. Did, and it's it's a kind of an. Uh, like I, it's the I only get... movie where Vince Vaughn gets arrested, and you're meant to think he's a charming rogue. What were those black boxes? Yeah, I'm not entirely sure either. What black boxes? I, was he the Unabomber? What um, black boxes? That he was basically Zach Galifianakis is, oh, he shouldn't have messed with those big black boxes. Um, or, or with those little black boxes. Or, or I don't know. I thought is he was he, making popcorn, wasn't he? It looked like I he was I don't think he popcorn. ever made popcorn. <laughs> 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 I think Jack was just projecting. It's like, I would really, that's really love true. some popcorn right oh, now. That's definitely true. Um, one yeah. thing I actually did um, do in my head, do you know um, Twilight Zone? Yes. One of the famous Twilight Zone stories is about a man who he loves reading and he's mad yes. at reading. Yeah, all he, the time in the world. Starring exactly. Burgess Meredith. Yes, yeah, great. I'll just relate. Yeah, just, man. Just, just for Andy and the listeners. It's basically loves Get reading. It, he loves reading so much. Hates the sort of having to go into work and speak to people. He loves reading. He just wants to read all the time. And then one day he wakes up and it's what a Simpsons parody wants and everyone's dead but him. And he thinks, brilliant, I can read. Yes, he's got all the books in the world he can read for eternity. And so he starts reading a book, and then his glasses fall off and break. And then it's this eternal thing where there's no more glass makers or glass fixers or what it is. So he can never read. And it's like eternally now he's on his own, can't read. And I was thinking, if this guy's glasses break in the wilderness, he's in the same situation. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Because he's there, like, writing and doing his notes and his that glasses. Was, that was the first draft of Sean Penn's yes. ending. <laughs> exactly. And the producer's like, we need you to punch this up if you can. That's it. Look, yeah. if there was some more beatings of hippies and there was more freight train action, you, you've got to hit there. Yeah, right there. Yeah. That's it. Absolutely. All right, so is there anything else in terms of Into the Wild that we haven't covered yet that sort of jumped out at people? Anything that we haven't sort of discussed? Um, maybe, maybe me and yourself should try and... Um, or yourself and I, sorry, should try and say something positive, and Andrew should maybe try and say something negative. Because yeah. you've been, so far it's been that Andy's come into the radio station uh, with his stick p- pickets and said, leave into the wild alone. Single issue wonk. <laughs> and we've said it's damaging the children, it's not good for society, and we're, we're just I don't think it. I said it's not good for society. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like Jack may be exaggerating my position. Ban this film. Um, <laughs> so I'll say... Um, it will be your 23-year-old next. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. It's... Simmons, right, this word's going to trip me up. Cinematography. Oh, hey, good. Hey. That um, was very impressive. The cinematography, the shots are beautiful, and the way it was filmed was very impressive in terms of, like, the aerial shots and the landscapes and the views. And I did like the soundtrack. So those are the two things I would say that I think are redeemable. Mm. Um, it, including King of the Road. I could hear you bopping. I around. love I King of the Road. Bopping about yeah, it's a, yeah. I, it's a I, cheerful I, tune. Yeah. yeah. There's also um, a really great song from the Eddie Vedder soundtrack. Sorry. There's a really great lyric from the Eddie Vedder soundtrack which uh, consists of you have to think you want more than you need. And it's like, yeah. Sean, I feel like you're not hitting this point hard enough. <laughs> um, how am I supposed to feel about materialism? But yeah, okay, I will say something nice about this film. And what I really, really like about this film, what I think this film does ridiculously well, and what I think it really captures, and what makes it interesting, and why I think maybe it's, it's worthy of discussion and debate, and maybe it's worth watching, is that it captures that sense of listlessness and that sense of anxiety mm-hmm. and that sense of uncertainty about modern life that was very much like on the American, like in the American consciousness at that moment in time. Like there's a reason this that... Ma- before like the propagation of the proliferation of the internet and uh, um, 
Well, I mean, not not even that. I mean, there's still an element of that there. Mobile phones. Yeah, and people are still looking for meaning now. But in the 90s in particular, after the end of the Cold War, there was this sense of like, well, what do we do now? We no longer have an enemy who provides an ideology against which we might like buttress and measure our own. Now we have to like sit down and decide what our society is actually like without having an evil empire against which we may measure it. Yes. And I think the film... Like, McCandless died, and this sounds very cynical, and we've been very cruel to McCandless. I do feel a bit distasteful. Like, I'm sorry, Candy Being Lynch. so mean to, to a guy, to a 23-year-old who made a mistake. He's dead. Okay. But, I, but <laughs> he died at the right moment culturally in that he captured all of those anxieties. Like, in 1992, everybody was wondering, what now? What next? What's happening? What's it all about? What's the purpose of it all? And I think that Into the Wild captures that to a certain degree and everybody has felt to one degree or another even i you know darren like you know arch capitalist the guy who's like those rafting regulations are there to protect you <laughs> even yeah. i have in my in my own moments sort of wondered and felt like well what is the meaning of all this what less does... regulation on wall street yeah. more regulation on kayaking yeah i mean people aren't talking about the real issue here yeah. but there, there's <laughs> the film taps into that ridiculously well it hones in on it it zeroes in on it and if i were at all like if i were at all capable of being convinced of that i feel like the movie might have me i feel like the movie might be able to grab me and sort of like take me movie take me along with it yeah and and i'm yours but but you're 16 (laughs) 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 i'm making eyes at it like christian stewart is making eyes at uh, emile hirsch um but yeah there's 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 a real sense of like it, it earnestly and sincerely believing that and asking those questions. And even if I think that it maybe over eggs the pudding, hmm. I think that there's some value in that. And I think that that's why, why it's on the list, why it was the most popular film on the IMDb in 2007 and why it has such a strong following, like why people responded on such a primal and emotional level to it. And like, it's, it's good to see that. And it's good to see people like thinking about it. I would hope that they would ask more questions than Chris McCandless did, that they think a bit more critically about it. But I think that broaching those ideas and, mm-hmm. and kind of pushing them before is a good thing. And I, I like that aspect of the movie. Okay, very good. Now your turn to say something negative. Uh, food waste. <laughs> there was a big uh, move. <laughs> Got shot. And uh, pretty much entirely, like, none of that tasty, tasty moose uh, got, got to be the, uh, loose. Got in. Um, <laughs> its got heart him. was pretty impressive, though, wasn't it? Yeah. Was that a real moose's heart, do you reckon? Oh, I'd say so. Yeah. I yeah. feel like that was a real moose. <laughs> they sacrificed feel the like Sean, for the I feel, film. I feel like Sean Penn probably helped kill it. <laughs> I'd say so, yeah. I want to shoot it. <laughs> we're, we're, we're making a movie about man's connectedness to <laughs> nature now. Pass me the bullets. I mean, I mean, Take I mean, two. <laughs> Hirsch. Is, uh, is choking the moose while Sean Penn is like breaking a camera over yeah. oh, Sean Penn is tying <laughs> it to a chair for oh. attempting to divorce him but anyway we wow. won't go into that <laughs> um, yeah there's so, the moose tried to divorce him the, um, so yeah there's, Darren there's, may be alluding to stuff I also a, like there's the, a huge big um, moose uh, that should have been eaten that wasn't uh, well in fairness in fairness actually there there are two there are two things that make it up a little bit for me. I know I'm saying okay. a bad, a bad thing about the movie, and it, it is bad. Like, it, 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 like don't kill a moose if you're not going to eat it. And um, but by the um, way, Alaskans are still really, 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 really ticked off at his poaching. 
He's known as a poacher up there. The um, Anchorage Daily News ran a series of articles, which I Sorry, believe... the poaching is a defined by the laws of man. So, <laughs> He's um, clearly positioning himself outside of it. Yeah, So exactly. what you're saying is He's... he should have set up Bus 142 as a casino. Um, <laughs> <laughs> for, uh, a casino and brothel, refusing like, to be banned. Uh, Barrett gambling. <laughs> yeah. yeah, the... the um, so oh, yeah, the, they're, they're really the, bitter about his poaching. There is... There is there is some so so yeah that was a problem I had with the movie. Like what was the, the problem with the moose? They they, 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 they didn't eat it. Um, yeah, food, food waste, waste is a big really recurring theme me. on the two. You, you you might notice that oh. I'm I'm full but I'm still eating mm. for example <laughs> at the moment and and the. You just see um, the maggots and flies as extras. Yeah, exactly. I don't see why he couldn't have eaten those maggots. The, um, and they are uh, high in protein. Probably, yeah. Put someone, on the fire. someone could probably explain this to me, but um, <laughs> uh, like they, they, he does get his. In on, on the one hand, it's not so bad because uh, some wild animals um, like scavenge on it, and the second thing is that he gets his comeuppance because uh, it's like food gets its revenge on him uh, for not eating it because all food wants to do is is be eaten. Um, oh, and, I, I like and, how Andrew's turned into Dennis <laughs> Hopper from Speed. The bomb's purpose is to explode. When you stop the bomb from exploding, you are removing its purpose for existence. So yeah, the so the food needs to be eaten. So food, exactly. I think so, you say like it's not fair to kill animals. No, no. But you're just you're saying it's not fair I, to waste food. Have you no, seen think, the moose that we've eaten this evening, Jack? Yeah. I think if you eat a lot of moose, I think if you're going to eat meat, you should be um, comfortable with killing animals. Um, I disagree with that. <laughs> I I I, I know you're not surprised. By and, that. and and the the reason is. Um, that you love eating milk, but meat, milk, <laughs> milk, <laughs> killing milk. <laughs> um, uh, uh, yeah, but but I, I but, like... but have have like 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 your your yeah. Sorry. Anyway, right. the, um, no. Go ahead. I'm actually gonna. Go, I want to hear this. No, no. The, the, the um, yeah. Food, food, food gets its uh, its revenge on him. It's like, okay. oh yeah, you do, you didn't want to eat that moose. Um, why don't you eat these berries? Oh, how do you like them berries? Yeah, and, yeah. and then he's dead. Um, so he, he I was he, wondering why you cheered. He's yeah. He's he's trying to he's he's trying he's trying to chunder for his life. Yeah, and then he, he's like um, dribbling all this diarrhea down his leg. Like try, um, uh, but nothing's going to save him at that point. Yeah, yeah. So food is one, um, <laughs> and that, that's all that matters, really. Yeah, yeah. All right, so I guess the only thing left, left to do then on that note, on that cheerful note, not a cheerful note, is to pick the movie that we are going to cover next week. So, oh yeah, Jack, pick a number die. As guests, you are going to have to work up. Andrew has the random number generator. Have you got it ready there? Yeah, I'll just wheel it in here. Oh, good grease on. So, so if you just, if you just uh, basically pull so that lever there, pull that lever. Yeah, it will return a random number. And the number is twenty-eight. 228. 228. Andrew, I don't think you got you saying it. 228. Thank you, Andrew. Um, so, yeah, we'll, one day I will learn to have this information. 228. Thank you, Andrew. Um, and number 228 is? Uh, paper Moon. 
Interesting. This ha- is a Papaloon. this is a new entry that myself and Andrew actually neglected to cover when it came into the list for the first time. This is Pierre Doug- Bogdanovich's one, starring Ryan O'Neill as a con man who takes his daughter on the road with him. So this is interesting. It's good to actually get to cover uh, this. Uh, Entered the list for the first time last year. So let's take a look at the trailer and see what we've got in store. Keep your sunny side up. Kansas, 1936. Out of the darkest days of the Depression comes the adventures of two unlikely con artists, Mose Prey and his companion, Eddie Loggins. Uh-oh. I heard you was a bootlegger. No, no, sir. Not me, friend. Must be some mistake. Ryan O'Neill is Mose Prey. His most challenging film role. Keep rolling, I got it. Keep rolling. Tatum O'Neill, daughter of Ryan O'Neill, is Addie Loggins. Her very first film role. Addie. Addie. Get the phone. Well, tell me, Jack, uh, what have you been doing with yourself? Last night I was invited over to Fred Allen's apartment for dinner. This is the Peter Bogdanovich production, Paper Moon. Or, as P.T. Barnum put it, there's a sucker born every minute. Yes? Afternoon, ma'am. I was wondering if Mr. Bates might be at home. Mr. Bates is dead. My name is Prey, Kansas Bible Company. I'm just here to deliver this Bible that Mr. Bates ordered. Bible? Bible? What kind of Bible? What company you say you're from? Just when you think you got it made. Just ain't made, is it? Say it's only a paper moon Sailing over a cardboard sea Right! You crazy? Hey! Your sunny side up, keep it up. Well, tell him that's the time you almost got thrown down, Mistrix. Oh, my God. Stop them, people! Hey, there's my language, lady! Keep rolling. I got it. I'm gonna hit him! Ian, jump! Don't slow down! Don't you go making the decisions. I make the decisions. All you got to do is look like a pretty little girl. Shooting at us! But then listen, keep going! You met my mom in a bar room. Just because a man meets a woman in a bar room don't mean he's your pa. Eat your Coney Island. have to worry. I ain't about to leave some poor little child stranded in the middle of nowhere. I got scruples too, you know. You know what that is, scruples? No, I don't know what it is, but if you got them, you sure bet they belong to somebody else. We ain't gonna make it. You're gonna ruin it, ain't you? Hang on!
don't miss this one. From the maker of The Last Picture Show and What's Up, Doc? You won't be sorry. Ah, moon, so, moon paper there, everybody. Very much from the uh, Smokey and the Bandit school of trailer editing there. Yeah, mm. very experimental bloopers. Yeah, and and lots of shots of characters holding clipboards. It's... And a, and a, and a two fifty uh, staple. Uh, watch the trailer and see if you can pick it out. Why well, somebody's throwing some food in the bin? And no, there's well, another we'll, one as well. We'll 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 we'll, we'll, we'll let our listeners. Wasting uh, of a moose. No, yeah, there. And <laughs> well, I, I mean, suppose we, don't want... we could just say what it is. Yeah, given and, uh, that you have heard the trailer, inappropriate smoking. smoking. Yes. What in which sense? There, well, there, uh, like uh, a nine-year-old girl smoking a cigarette. Oh, of course, yes. Yeah, I, I love how Jack's like, yeah, but she didn't go off into the wilderness and die because she <laughs> ate poison exactly. berries. That's it. Um, it's so more I mean, so because I uh, see black and white film and sort of my convention <laughs> triggers gone. You know, as in. Old time. I know it's in the seventies, but obviously they go into a thirties thing. I, I mean, would... even in the thirties, I'm not sure a ten year old girl smoking. No, was I, I know, but then you've got that we, was when people we saw smoking, Le, Le, Le Catcher Son Coup, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> which is the French New Wave cinema where like <laughs> the ten year old boy is so artsy that he wears a turtleneck <laughs> and smokes yeah. a cigarette. Uh, yeah. the, and he's he's already uh, more of a hardened criminal after like <laughs> ten minutes in in this kind of uh, juvie. Than than um, Andy Dufresne, Andy Dufresne is, was after at, the, at end the entire of, yeah of Showtime Redemption. But anyway, <laughs> I take it you guys have uh, have not seen it. <laughs> I, uh, <laughs> I haven't. No, I couldn't say I have. Well, Paper Moon, Paper Moon. No, I haven't. It looks good, and and it'll be our second uh, Ryan O'Neill movie. It will indeed. Oh. Um, but anyway, so with that in mind, then we'll be covering that next week. But. Jack, if people want to find a, you know, want to get a bit more Jack in their lives, where can we find you? Are you online? Do you, uh, uh... Hidden away in a cave. I'm going to go into the wild myself, I think. No, no. Don't eat the is... berries. Oh, okay. And, and remember the to potato sun... potato seeds are okay, aren't they? Sun-dry the moose. Yes, yes. Sun-dried um... moose, that's a very gentrified... <laughs> <laughs> very middle-class coaching. Yeah. Um, um, I run a memes page with my friends. Uh, it's called Memes of Dankshire. We have upwards of 30,000... Likes at the moment. Hopefully, if you do check nice. it out, it'll be higher. So we'll so see if we can get you to thirty thousand and one. Yeah, but no nice. promises. Yeah. If Perfect. everybody who listens to this podcast likes your page, we may hit thirty thousand and one. Yeah, that's, that's pretty good. If I could get that, I'd be happy with that. Perfect. Nice. Um, it does break that good round number, though. Yeah. Does, yeah. There's <laughs> a point where you're like, actually, having more likes would be like would hurt the brand at this point. But uh, Andrew, where can we find you? Um, you can find me. Oh, um, no, I'm I'm not gonna I'm not gonna plug uh, my my Twitter. Um, I'm going to suggest people check out Atletico Mints. Um, because it's very funny. It's uh, uh Bob Mortimer, who people might remember from uh, Shooting Stars, and and uh, uh, Ranan Hopkirk deceased. Uh, oh, you you do know who he is? Yes, yes, Grant. Um. And because Darren got excited, um, yeah, no, I was, I was being sleek. She said deceased. Never mind. Oh right, and um, and no, that's uh, Bob Morton deceased. Um, the the sorry, um, <laughs> the the um, uh, so yeah, it's very funny. It's it, it started out as a football podcast, and then they realised that um, the football uh, coverage wasn't great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They realised that their opinions weren't worth much, so it just became a very funny podcast, which is what it is. If you like impressions of Peter Beardsley 
um, doing kind of um, uh, jokes out of joke books, um, <laughs> um, then then you might enjoy this. Uh, Dog Dirt. Perfect. Uh, you can find the 250 online at, at the 250. You can listen to us on SoundCloud. If you're listening to us there, you can also find us on Stitcher or iTunes if you want to shake things up. Uh, take it easy, guys. Bye. I'm Darren. And I'm Andrew. <gasps> and I'm Jack. Trailer for Sailor Rooms to let 50 cents. No phone, no pool, no pets. Ain't got no cigarettes, but two hours of pushing room buys a eight by twelve four-bit room. I'm a man of means by no means. King of the road. King of the road. King of the road.